Like we had insulated walls put in the five, four, three, two, one. Someone's got a new Netflix special. <laughs> 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 Couldn't think of any other way to start. The opposite of what I thought you. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Dun, dun, dun. So you do have a new Netflix special. Though. I do. I don't want this to be like an interview. No, but but I but I but I I like it. I'm actually proud of it. You know, it's like I'm still proud of it. You That's know, usually awesome. a certain amount of time will go by where I'm like, oh, like yeah. by the time I'm even now I've gotten it better on the road because. You know, I was, you right. know, the day after you shoot it, you go out on the road. And you're a murderer. And you have a little fun with it. Yeah, yeah, And that's yeah. when you go, oh, and then you go, oh, I, but I'm still proud of it. And it was my favorite thing I've, it, 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 the guy did, Jeff Rowe was the guy who, and Scott Moran, but just everything I wanted, they did it. Perfect. That's awesome. The look, the Where'd lighting. you do it? I did it at the Lyric, but, and the Lyric is great, but there's no doubt. Where's, is the Lyric in LA? The Lyric is in LA. It's like at Melrose and... Melrose and La Brea, oh. pretty, but but they sort of used it as a shell, and it's already a pretty cool club. But you know, so the the biggest compliment I got, someone said, you know what's weird about your special? I want to go there, and it doesn't exist. Ah, oh, what it looked like, right, like right. where is that? They had good set people. They it just looked like a cool jazz club in New York City that was maybe, but not. It wasn't small because it was an after. You know, sometimes it's small, but it's shitty. It's but it's, right. that's the look, and it's cool. It's sort of a key, what's the word kitschy or yeah, I don't know what that word yeah, is. Yeah, it's charming, it and, and that's the look they want. I didn't want that. Not that I think that's bad, but because some people have done that really well, and it's a cool way to see a comedian just in a cool little raw space. But I want it small, but like. Like, it's a jazz club in New York City, but it's like 150 bucks to get in, and it mm. holds 100 people. It's like a, that type of thing, run like a theater. You know? Well, you helped design one of my all-time favorite clubs, Helium in Philly. You helped design that place, didn't you? Well, m when Mark, Mark, uh, you, he, uh, Acme, uh, Lewis Lee said, you know, Todd's from Philly, he'll probably love to give you advice. Right. So when it was just a warehouse, like cement, uh, I met him down there and he's like I'm thinking of opening up a club and you know I told him a lot of stuff I wrote I I I made like well email you know like six pages of you know here's very detailed things and you know what he listened to a lot of it <laughs> like I give him credit you know that's awesome it's a great fucking club it's it like there's something about those intimate spaces like one of the things that I've noticed when I, I'll take people on the road with me is that guys who have never worked at theater, like it takes a few tries to get, they go, oh, okay, this is a whole different thing. There's so many people here. you got to kind of project out to them. It's like a different thing. It's not, you don't feel them the way you feel them at the, in the OR right. on like a Wednesday night, right? Or um, Comedy Works in Denver where they're on top of you. You're like, you feel the people there more, right? Yeah. Yeah, and then you learn it pretty quick, though. Yeah. You know? Do you ever do uh, the belly room at the store? I've done it a few times, and of course, it's... I love little rooms. Yeah. Like, I love, like... Well, when know. I used to do Tempe, you always did that did side that. room on purpose. They would, you, they would try you know to everything. get you to do the big place. But, well, the, the side place, you know, not to get too... But you get it. Yeah, but for the, the, for the listeners, was, I, I was jealous. I remember I came over. I was in the other... The, the regular one, which is great. I was it's, having a good time. It is. But when, when Joey and I went next door and watched you, I was like, this room's better. This is the well, better room. <laughs> well, even in D.C., which I think is a good example, D.C. has a 60-seat room. And uh, whenever I'm in there, 
I go, like, I give it, I had a two-piece band playing. We, they put black <laughs> tablecloths on all the tables. Wow. The lights are gelled blue. So now people are turning oh, the nice. corner into this thick blue room with two guys with black suits playing jazz as they're being seated and eating. So now I don't feel like it's an afterthought. You're, what you just said, and I'll take it as a compliment, the other comedian that's in the main room there, which is an awesome room. Yeah. But they, you look into the little room and you're like, it just looks like something's going on. And that's how I want it to look. Does no, that make sense? Yeah, no, it does make sense. It's uh, it's more of a hang, right? Than right. a big show. And your style so loose on stage, like, lends itself to intimacy. You know, lends itself to those nice, compact spots. Yeah. Do you do I, the, you ever do the Ice House, that, the Annex Room? I mean, not forever, but yeah, I know what you mean right Same away. Thing. That one's the, the craziest. The Ice House is about as deep as this room. This fucking, it goes side yeah. to side a little bit. I think the whole room, that annex only gets, what is it, like 70 people? Maybe 70 people. And all the chairs are like facing the audience. Yep, yep. See, that says, oh, no, 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 no. You're, you're sitting here. You're going to say goodbye to your friend for a little while. Yeah, this shit. Yeah, that they right. Do with, like some of the improvs. like this, like, And then the people are watching the show like this, and they have to kind of turn mm -hmm. and look past the person next to them. They're trying to feed you food, too. Like you're working in a half restaurant. The thing about, I will say this about a good club, most of the food's been served or I couldn't do what I'm about to tell you that I've done. So the, the club has to at least be good at going, no, we get the food out. We have food we can get out. By the time the show started, we try to have the whole room serviced. So in the event, and like Helium does that. Uh, but so I started making this announcement and I would tell people, because I do my own pre-show announcement, it has to do with what you said about when they're sitting sideways. Right. And I would just go real calm, real, I go, other than that, folks, hey, now's a good time to turn your chair around. You're always going to have to annoy someone to the right or the left of you, but now's the time to do it. And once all the chairs are facing the stage, we'll get this thing started. Play a little house music. And then you know what? They wouldn't do it. But I'd, another 30 seconds, I'd go, so we're just waiting for all those chairs to get turned around, and then we'll get it started. So it looks like we're close to showtime. And the second time, <laughs> boom, 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 boom. Every chair in the room, they're like, oh, they're not. But, you know, I get it. It's a pain in the ass. And if I was in the yeah. audience, I wouldn't want to turn my chair around. But guess what? Once someone made me do it, you'd enjoy the show better. And yeah. they do. We got, you know, this. Have you ever used those, used those yonder bags? You know what those bags are? They make people put their cell phone in a bag. Yeah, Denver has them. Yeah, Denver uses them for all their shows now. I started using them for all my shows. So you just, a company comes in and just yep. does it for you? Yeah, you hire them. They come in, and then when they put the bag, the phone in the bag, they still hold onto their phone. Right. They can leave the room if they get a phone call, if like you have a kid or something like that, and someone's watching the kid. You can always get out of the room and make a call. But you can't call people when you're in the room. And I was having people calling people and talking on the phone. You could see them talking on the phone while the show's going on. And people around them would be getting pissed off. And uh, someone on Twitter commented on it. And you just, everyone's got their phones up. And look, I know I've done it too. I'm, I'm totally a hypocrite. When I saw Honey Honey with Gary Clark, they performed <laughs> in this little tiny room in downtown LA. It was a midnight show on like a Tuesday. And I filmed it and I put it on my Instagram. So I know I'm a hypocrite. But that was... A rare occasion and it wasn't a comedy show it's like a comedy show you have to pay attention to what the fuck's going on if you if you're filming it you're not, definitely not paying full attention right. it's just not you're gonna miss some stuff it's just not the same thing when you're filming shit like everybody is just and even if you're not you're checking this and checking texts and 
boy, we got a real addiction problem in this country. These, these are new things. Well, these are new objects. I, I realize, because I'm not delusional, that the, the amount of it, I can put most of it to rest with a pre-show announcement, where I'm at in my career. But I mm -hmm. get it. As you get to different levels, there's different intensity. So I don't, I get it. But um, the... Uh, I, I changed my pre-show announcement when I went to see Brian Regan. The person next to me, I, they were texting. I couldn't hear them. Matter of fact, they even had their, their light down. So you think, well, what could bother me? And it did. And it didn't matter if it was right or wrong. I know what it was. Yeah. I wanted the person next to me to be loving him as much as I was loving him. Yeah. And the fact that I saw him on their phone all night, even they weren't making a peep, it started to bother the fuck out of me. I was getting angry, and then I went, Oh, that's, I, I'm going to do the same thing at my show. I go, don't turn your thing all the way down. I go, I know what you think, and you pull it out near your knee. I go, seriously, if you pull your phone out after this announcement, you, you, it, you look like a dick. Ah, I go, and other than move. that, we're glad you're here. And you know what? It, you just you have to pink that announcement a little longer, but it works. I'm worried about people. I really are. This is a really new thing. The more I'm thinking about it, the more like looking at your phone constantly is really only 10 years old. Right? Like 2008-ish, the, the iPhone came around 2009, right? Before that, people were a little texty. People, some people more texty than others. They really got into text messages. But once that iPhone came out, and once people started doing a bunch of stuff and apps and stuff on your phone, it changed the whole game. You know, I don't know with this topic if I'm like, I could be way off or I could be off kilt, but the way I come to my conclusion about like, you know, you know, it is, it is a weird thing. And mm -hmm. even me, I could acknowledge it. Otherwise, right. if I don't acknowledge it, you know, then you're never going to tell someone the opposing side if they don't think you get what I, Yeah, you see it. But it just seems like in the past, now this could be different with no, no snarkiness at all. This could be a different thing. Every time they think there's one of these things, like TV, radio, it just seems like we get past it. Oh, I think we'll get past it. Well, I don't you know think... what I mean? I didn't think the world was going to explode. No, but... I'm worried about certain i'm not worried about the human race but i'm worried about the lives of certain people if that makes sense yeah. because it's like saying like are you worried that crack's going to destroy the human race no i'm not worried that crack is going to destroy but i do think it can destroy the lives of some people and i feel right. the same way about this right like the texting like I, it's I, not just that it's it's like being plugged into electronics to the point where that's where you're getting most of your stimuli from you're getting artificial stimuli my concern and this is a real concern is that we're we're getting really into that and that we're going to let it take the next step which is some sort of an implant i feel like this is like a, we're in a movie we're in a movie about a person that becomes a machine and we're watching this rationalization process as we slowly get more and more in, ingrained and interconnected with technology. We'll definitely, in our lifetime, have somebody 100%. like... 100%. I try... Like, what you were just addressing, like we said before, like, I, I catch myself and I really try. Like, if I had to give myself a grade on how much I've improved on, like, turning the phone off, yeah. like, loving it for what's great about it... I give myself maybe a C minus, but it means I've made some strides in like You're turning it F. off. You're not an F. Not an F. Not yeah. from far. Matter of fact, uh, I remember a week ago, I was going to the Grove and I went, I'm not meeting anybody. I'm, 
And I left my phone in the car. Ooh, it, strong move. <laughs> <laughs> That's a strong move. Now what sucked is Leaving I had two ideas. In the car, I was like, Woof. I had two ideas and I was high and I didn't want to write them down. I went, ah, shit. That's the thing about leaving your phone yeah. in the car. Take a picture or show someone a picture, or mm. it doesn't have to always be. But anyway, I try. Like going, you know, never, never walking through a, never walking through a line. That actually could encourage you to write. Um, you know, you could just Ugh, use. I hate writing. <laughs> But I mean, saying oh. you see, you can only use your phone when you have a note or an idea. That's the oh. only time you could use it. Well, that's a, so you that's make a, like a loophole. Like I'm pretending that I don't even have this phone unless I need to make a note. You know what? I could put it on airplane mode. You could put it on airplane mode there and still go. have and it still for the other stuff. Although it weighs my pants down, oddly enough. Hmm. That's true. It's good conversation, right? It does do that. <laughs> no, it does. It does. It's weird. They my, pulling my pants your up all night and shit. That's why I like fanny packs. People just mock me relentlessly. Can I tell you something? There's no way. I say it all the time. When I go, especially if I have my Altoids, and then I have a pipe, yeah. and then I, I go, oh, what the fuck? You're a pipe guy? Uh, I still do for some reason. You're old school. It's old school. What, what else? Like, do like you, what do you do? You like jazz clubs? You like pipes? <laughs> what do you do? Like, what is your typical way to Mostly smoke? joints or yeah. vape pens. You know, it's the rolling of the joint that yeah. I... Oh, I have a question for you. Okay. And I think you might know the answer. Hmm. I smoke... I, I'm not gonna like you know you know Pressure. blame you if I something happens. I know okay. I switch conversation completely, but no you worries. might have the answer. No for this. I have two things I want to ask you a question. Okay, about. did I interrupt? No, no, no. Okay, not at all. Um, I smoke now seven nights a week. Wow. So I'll have like a joint. I, I would say if I had to put it in joint size, maybe a joint per night. So it's not that. It's not a tremendous amount. Not about, just at night. Not right. that I'm saying I. It's not, right. I want a prize for that. Just for me, it works better at night. But I say I, I quit smoking, and I did. Mm -hmm. I quit smoking. I used to smoke around a pack and a half a month. That's is not this that as bad? bad? Pack and a half a month is pretty. It, it wasn't horrendous, but I quit right. because I had a couple you know, a day. Yeah, yeah. Uh, is this smoking seven nights with just a joint as bad as when I smoke cigarettes? No, it's not. It's not the same thing. It's not even close. No, no, it's not even close. There's no evidence that marijuana smoke causes cancer. <laughs> what you can do is get respiratory irritation. You can, like, it, it can fuck with your voice. It, what like, about tar? Smoke, like, but you could avoid all that stuff is what I was going to say with a vaporizer. I know. Vaporizer is the doing. way to go. But it is a different high, oddly enough. Vaporizer seems like a little bit more clean in some weird way. Like, it, it, when I get high with a vaporizer, I'm always like, whoa, this is like a... It's almost as if... This is going to sound so crazy. There's something... That's there's a, something that has to do with the fire interacting with the plant that connects you to nature. There's like something about a lit joint. Just you take it in, and you just you, I feel natural when I vaporize. I feel alien. When I vaporize, I feel like this. What this is is like let's extract all of what it is to be a living thing and get to the molecules. What's the molecule? <laughs> what temperature do I heat those bitches up or I can shove them right in your bloodstream? That's what the vaporizer sees. The vaporizer's like, hang on, Hannah. Like, whoo! Like, it's just, it's, you're not connected the same way. It's connected a different way. It's both, they're both amazing. I mean, it's That's not a what most people call. probably agree. I agree with you. Most people do, I think. Yeah. They'll be like, yeah, I know. It's even a different a thing. Even a joint, I don't roll joints because I'm lazy, but whenever someone has a joint and they put it i go this is when i this just yeah. happens so yeah i get i get a little higher <laughs> i like to smoke joints they it's a it feels like it's real clear what's happening 
You know, like there's a lot of these vape pens. You got to press them five times, then yeah. hold them, and you're sucking it in. You don't know what's in that oil, man. Who's making that stuff? And Who's making that at, shit? They yeah. yell at you when you can't do it. Just press it twice. All right, it doesn't oh, work as easy Jesus as you think. Jesus Christ with the press it twice. I got one more thing. Do you ever fuck around with spray? Jumbo you mean, spray? You ever fuck around with Jumbo? Do you know what Jumbo is? You put it in the water? Su no, super organic, really high-end edibles and spray. And this fucking spray will put you on the moon. Wow, do you have any? Of course I do. Wow, but I have to drive. I have some, someone hanging with me today. John Brand Wagner. Yeah. Give him a shout-out. I give this him a shout-out, you piece of shit. This is the thousand milligram... Like, if you drank the whole bottle, it's a 1,000 milligrams. That's too much to have, of oh, course. Oh, yeah. yeah. I wouldn't have a half a spray. Oh, yeah. So do you think I'm safe to do it right now? It's always fun yeah, to experiment. Yeah, a little spray. Especially because you're saying to do it. You know why, mm. you know why it's more comfortable? Why? Because if, if something happens to me and I can't... Like, you blame me? Uh, let's well, just don't blame, blame me. Let's, let's do it uh, afterwards. Unless what? you want to do it now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like the worst crack dealer ever. You can do it now. Well, I mean, it's, everybody wants just to do it. Just give it a taste. Yeah, let me have a little. And then I want to. I do have a question. You know, you might have Fear. an answer. What? what did you have? A half a spray? I had one spray. Good enough. Okay. All right, we're in. Wow. What's the other question? You think why am I asking you this? But I think you might have an answer. So, but I'm being totally honest. I am okay. exhausted from dealing with like I, it's it's like not like it's a big deal, but it's like the first time you whether you can admit major things in your life like oh I have a drinking problem, but right. they can be stupid little things. You know, mine is eating. Mm. Like I am exhausted from doing it the wrong way, and it, everything comes back to me for self control. So when people want to tell me about a diet, I don't. It's not portions. I know what portions are. I just I want to eat more. So yeah. it's all down to how do I fucking get self control. I have zero. I mean, if I'm not going to call it zero self control. Then I don't know what the hell I'm going to call it, but it's you very have, hard for me. Uh, at uh, night, you're you're at very night. hard on yourself. I think you have self-control, Todd. I think you're a wonderful man, you're, <laughs> but you're you're hilarious. And one of the reasons why you're hilarious is because you're so you're free. You're impulsive, and that sort of that it's very difficult for that to lend itself to dietary discipline. It's like I want to eat it. Fuck it. Want to eat it? Should I eat it? I'll just fucking eat it, right? That's you. But it's also part of what makes you such a hilarious comic. It's like you have these impulses. Well, that you makes don't me feel better. Yeah, you don't want Split discomfort. Split the difference at least with what you're saying. Well, you don't want discomfort and you want to have fun. It's like it's right there. They wanna eat, I want to eat that food. Fuck it, right? <laughs> I just had a, a thought of me like picture me at the, at the uh, canter shoving cheesecake in my mouth. And my friends are like looking at me like Todd. And I go, Joe Rogan said that because I'm creative <laughs> that I should eat whatever I want. He said it. And you can go listen to his podcast. He mm. said that I should eat. He told me. Joe Rogan, and you can go listen. He said, clear out the mini bar before you get in your hotel bed, even if you're, <laughs> even if you're not really hungry, because I'm creative, okay? So I don't have control over this. I, Joe Rogan. <laughs> There's also a problem. There's another problem with discipline. This is a problem with discipline and wow, comedy. I think that hit me already. Yeah, for sure. No, nah, that's probably just the weed hit you. It takes a little while for the spray to get you. Usually a few more minutes than that. Um... I forget my point. What about, was my point? About um, the self-control. Oh, that when you, if you really discipline people in comedy, they don't go well together that much either. Because if you're too driven and too disciplined that's almost always dicky. 
You know what I mean? You know what I'm saying? Like you become too disciplined, too rigid, too determined, and 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 too like too enthusiastic about success. You get dicky. Let me ask you this. Yeah. And and I'm I don't. This thought could be wrong. Like I'm okay with thinking something and then maybe finding out. But whenever a comedian. And I'm, I bet there's funny ones out there, definitely, because over the years I remember them. I can't think of which ones, but they right. definitely exist. They <laughs> are funny. You know, they are funny. But they've never smoked, drank. Mm-hmm. Uh, can yeah. you be a good comedian if you haven't done those things? I think you could be a good comedian if you're a man. You could be a good comedian if you're a woman. You could be a good comedian if you're gay or trans. You just, you are a good comedian if you're a good comedian. Is that, and, why do I ask that? Because I'm, I, I should know. be embarrassed to ask that. There's be- a lot of people that are really good that don't do shit. They don't, and never. Yeah, they don't, they don't have a desire to. You know, it's just everybody's brain works different. And some people, like the idea of losing control with a substance is not, not fun. Right. They don't like that feeling. And, but they can keep their shit together. You know, I know a lot of people that don't drink. They don't do anything, but they keep their shit together. And maybe that's better for them. They feel like it is. I don't know. I don't know. Right. I know. You know what, I, 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 as I asked that, you gave me the answer that, you know, to go, you're right, you're right. Yeah. But, like, I asked, it means that I had a question about that. And I, and, and that I, I think I've, I've talked about this in the past, and once I was like, somebody was saying, well, maybe what if you're not experimenting? And it, but, no, there's a billion ways to, uh, to do those things oh, that yeah. you use pot to do without the pot, obviously. Well, I think I Can you use, edit that out? I use yoga for that, too, man. I love going to a hot yoga class. It's fucking hard. And it's like a drug. Like, you get a lot of thinking done in there, man. When you're just holding these poses and there's no, no music, no nothing, just everybody in the class breathing is a 90-minute class. <sighs> there's some sort of psychedelic effect there. There's some sort of cleansing of the mind. And I think that's one of the things that we overlook when it comes to mental health, that your brain needs to be cleaned out. You, you can't just like stagnate and think on thoughts. Your brain needs to, f- your physical body can clean your brain out a little bit, can get rid of some of the stress and tension. And you can see things clear. Like those terms, stress reduction, tension relief, what does that mean? It means the way you fucking think, okay? You're doing something to your body that radically alters the way you're going to think about things. And everybody's supposed to do it. And one of the problems in society is that you don't do it, but you have these instincts that are built into your body from thousands of years of what the, the you know, the, what people asked of their bodies 20, 30 generations ago. We're all those same people. So if we don't deal with what our body, just some physical activity, getting, you've got to get the blood flowing. If you don't, your whole, you're, like, you're like an overflowing battery or something. I, as far as the stopping thing, think I have a great idea for people to do to get a smidget of what it's like to stop. If you go, okay, I won't meditate or I won't do this. I get right. it. I get it. But this, I th- if you do it, I promise whoever does it that's listening will go, you'll get a little taste of it and it all happens naturally. But it started by accident. But then yeah. I, we started realizing it's about stopping. So like one night, it was about like probably 10 years ago after dinner or before dinner, I had some hot washcloths. And I was like, oh, just like at a Chinese restaurant, joking around. But we all did it, and then we realized, wow, that really stopped us. The heat 
putting it on your face. Right. So now I make it, I have a ritual that I do. I, I have it all figured out. I get like, it, it, the less people, the better, because the hot washcloth has a short shelf life. It has to be so scorching hot when you hand it to people. So it, by the time they get it to their face, you know, you can't right, take right. warm. So I use the tea kettle, pour it all over like six of them. And here's the rule. The radio goes off. Sometimes you think, oh, I'll leave it on. I don't feel like walking over and turning it off. Nope. Even if it's jazz, off. And I ask everybody, check the pulse of the room. If, if everyone, if you take yours off and you're ready to start talking, but you say, oh, three people still have it on their face, shh. And I go, I'll break it. But just once, the hot, once you get the hot washcloth in your hands, I go, it's going to be hot. You're going to want to go, oh, it's hot. It's way too hot. It's hotter than you think it is. So just get ready. And I give everybody one. They put it on their face. No one even has to tell them to take a deep breath. You naturally do after like a second because you need to. So you go, <sighs> then you let it out. And then I go, wow. And then you literally, spiritually, you shut down and then you wipe your hands. Literally take some of the dirt off your hands from the day. And we always think, holy shit, resetting yourself. That's a simple mm -hmm. way to get a taste. Yeah. Of, and we always make the joke. We're like, oh, were we just going to eat and then we're going to go throughout the whole day and then, oh, put our food, okay, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. I go, no, of course, stop. You got us. And that hot washcloth, it's like, mm. fuck. <clears throat> yeah, I think your brain has requirements for those things. Those kind of things, I think so, those, those kind of moments are really good for your, just good for your outlook, a reset. I think that's like the same feeling that a, a maybe a primitive man would get when he would like walk up to the edge of a cliff and see like some crazy view and see nature and birds flying around the sun this wow you know hey you know this is yeah i'm getting chased by leopards every day but look this is fucking amazing like a renewed enthusiasm about yeah. life about life itself and the simplest things obviously yeah i have a theory i don't give myself any credit when i have these talks when things are going well like it's good it helps you right. know like but if I can be in a tense moment and get out of it, right. where I would have, then I give, my, then I'll be proud of myself. Yeah, that's the thing about all that motivational speaking stuff, right? Like, yeah, it's like the guy who's doing all the motivational speaking. If he's pulling up in a Rolls Royce and he lives in a big mansion, it's like, yeah, you're enthusiastic. Look, everything's going great. How, how are you if someone takes all this stuff away? Then, then it becomes right. Like, can you can you be stoic? Can you be at peace when you're broke and you're by yourself right. in some one bedroom apartment somewhere? Can you can you do it all over again? Get that's, back that's, to the suburbs. Uh, not <laughs> <laughs> you know. Could you imagine if someone told you Dan Cook was the first one I ever heard talk about this? So I'll give him credit for that. Uh, he said. I would not, never want to try to do stand-up again. I don't think I could do it. Like, that, it is so hard to do that I, I would never want to start and do it again. Did you ever think, like, what it would be like if you had to start again? Like, right now, you, don't, you have zero jokes, you've never done stand-up, but somehow or another you have this vague memory of the grind that it takes to become an actual professional. I think I'd do it in a heart. I think definitely. Definitely, right? Definitely. Definitely. But that's because you already know. Right, you already know you could do it. It would be a totally different thing. Right, that's, right. That's oh, you have a stupid that question. Now that I think about it, fuck Dane Cook. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> Just kidding, Dane. Don't get upset. But I'm saying, if you if you think about it, like this doesn't even make any sense because of course you would know that you could make it. 
So it would be way easier, even if you just started off. Oh, can't believe I'm 21 again doing stand up. This is ridiculous. Are you, are you 21 again, or yeah. you just? Oh, you are. You'd have to start from scratch. I just do it to go back, get younger. <laughs> but then once you made the decision, you would, in, unless you live in some bizarro world where you're allowed to live two lives, you would never even have memory, right? You'd right. be 21. That's what like, I. Are you? Would you? Would, all I'd have to do is just say yes, and yes. I'd be 21 again. It's <laughs> a stupid fucking question. It's maybe he, maybe you have it a little <laughs> off. Maybe he'd be like, no, I said this and that. Uh, I don't think he thought it through. You said something a minute ago, and I sh that's when I should write shit down. I was going to ask you. Was it about the food thing? No, no, no. What were you just talking about before the... the we're talking the about discipline, like hard asses. And then, um, then we got to, like, how difficult it would be to start over doing... I think mm -hmm. anything. Like, if you said that to a brain surgeon, you want to start from scratch... Start from, you know, right right after you graduate high school. You want to take it from day one, freshman year of college. And be like, oh, <laughs> just think about getting through. No, fuck that. Did you ever think of, like, I know two things I would have done, like, before. When did you start stand-up? Uh, <coughs> excuse me, like 88. How, I was 21. Did you, is there a job you, when you were in high school, did you think, you thought you knew what you wanted to do maybe for a living? Not really. My, my number one option was teaching Taekwondo, which I already was doing. That's what I was doing. Oh, so you were already, oh. Yeah. But I didn't, I didn't want to fight anymore, and I didn't think that, um, I didn't think that there'd be like a real future in me teaching. I didn't really like teaching everybody. I only liked pe teaching people that were super enthusiastic because I was I was young at the time like when I was first started teaching on my own I was 19 I was teaching at Boston University I, I had my own school for and a you while. were 21 I was 19 Wow yeah and in Boston yeah in Boston yeah I, I taught I taught a, a pass-fail a class like they can get credit for it and I would say all you have to do is just show up and you get an A just try just trying to get an A. It has nothing to do with your physical performance because the idea that everybody's starting on the same page is ridiculous. Right. Some of these people have like serious athletic backgrounds. Some of these people never worked out a day in their life and they thought it'd be fun to try something new. So the idea of like grading them against each other, I said, I'll give you guys all an A. And are you, and, and are you, are I was you their a, age. Are you allowed to do that? Yeah. Yeah, As a they, teacher, like they, they would. Nobody, the, the worst they could do was fire me, and I didn't care because it only paid like 200 bucks a month or something. It, was, right. it wasn't expensive, it wasn't uh, a valuable thing, but it was a prestigious thing. It's like I'm teaching at a, a university yeah. and I'm 19. Did most know? people get the A? Everybody got an A. No, I mean, like, did anybody not people, show up? Or? All the times I taught, I taught for a couple of years, one or two people just didn't show up. You know, you're always going to have that. Yeah, yeah. One or two people just say fuck, they fuck off. But I just made it fun. You know, I was their age. And so we just, we did a lot of cool shit and kick pads. And I taught them how to turn their hip into stuff and how to, you know, how to get power and things. You can see them. It's a, there's a, something very enthusiastic about someone, regardless of what their physical ability is, getting a little bit better and seeing it. You know, even if they start from nothing and then you see just, yes, yes, you're getting it, you're getting right. it. And then see them beam like you get this. That, that to me was what I was into. What I wasn't into is people that needed to be motivated. They, they just didn't, they couldn't, they, would, they just half-assed things. They weren't enthusiastic. They were distracted. Maybe they were talking too much. Like, you could do all that stuff another time. But if you want to get good at this, there's only one way. You have to be really interested in getting good at it. You got to be really focused on all the things you're yeah. doing right or wrong. Whenever I see a comedian, like you go back a year to a club, you saw a comedian, he's a newer comedian. 
if he has been going up at least twice a week and it's 52 weeks later, right. it's fun to see that type of improvement. Oh, yeah. And you're like, wow, like, yeah, maybe I've gone up, what, 300 times since you've been here. Yeah. But you can tell if they haven't. Do you have any friends that you knew when you were professional and they were open micers? Oh, you mean? Like they're professionals now. Oh, yeah. Like yeah. You were a full-blown professional. You met them when they were an open micer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Matter of fact, it leads me to a little plug. Oh, um, you want a plug? It, <laughs> it does look like you set, uh, set me up for it. But Blake Wexler is a comedian. He's a professional comedian now. And he met me when he was like 15 or 16 at Helium. And he was wearing a Conestoga shirt. That's where I went to high school. So, of course, you're like, you know, and he said he's a new comedian. So right away, you right. Know, went to your high school and he's doing stand-up comedy. He was with his dad. We talked. Right. You know, like, I go, hey, if you want to come back with your friend Saturday, I said, here's my number. I'll put you on the guest list. And then, you know, years year goes by. I was in Philly. I called him. I said, hey, Blake, you know, uh, uh, thanks for it was whatever it was. It would be a message. I was leaving. Hey, I got your friends on the guest list for Thursday. And then there's these messages. Then we became good friends. So he told me I saved every one of your messages about a year ago. I've had people say that before, but then they go, oh, they got erased or when they, you know, oh, I got my computer and I lost them. He came over about a year ago with uh, like uh, 50 messages and so we put them on a CD and put them on iTunes, and it's uh, 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 12 years of messages from Todd Glass to Blake Wexler, simple name. <laughs> but it, the reason I think it's really pure, in a, which is a weird way to maybe say it, but it's just from me to him. Like right. Now, there was probably three or four at the end where I knew they'd probably end up on there. But I mentioned it. I go, now this whole thing is fucking ruined because I know you're making that CD, so now I'm aware of it. But most of them, I never thought they'd end up on a CD. So it's just me talking to Blake, and it sort of tells our friendship. You see the friendship grow, but it's uh, they're 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 some very funny to hear yeah. them years later. That's uh that's a cool it's a cool thing to watch someone like that become a pro, right? And just see them when they're first starting out, and mm -hmm. that first year or so, who the fuck knows what's gonna happen? You know, you de you decide I want to try stand up, and then you start going to open mic nights. That first year, who knows what's gonna happen? I mean, you might eat it a couple of times. And dad be like, all right, this is just too painful. Fuck this. And what other job is that painful when you, when you fuck up? I know. I couldn't, you know? Even, <laughs> I couldn't even think about getting a weekend. Like, because you did the MC. It was on Wednesday. And then sometimes you would uh, host. That was like a thing. You got to host the open mic night and then do Thursday Best of Philly. But getting a weekend. I remember once sitting around with my friend. He goes, do you, do you think you'll get a weekend ever? I'm like, I don't know. Like, I didn't know why I didn't think I'd get yeah, a weekend. I mean, I, I was. I know, but uh, that's what you think when you're first starting out, right? Like, oh no. Some door guy told me I'd get, he goes, you're going to get a weekend. Wow. You know what I thought? He doesn't know what the fuck he's talking about. <laughs> I thought, because I'm not going to be so stupid to think, oh, Tony knows I'm going to get a weekend. But he probably did know. He was he was around comedy a lot. He probably knew something, you know. Yeah. Yeah, he's going to be, he'll, he'll get a weekend, you know. <laughs> I got a weekend, all right. <laughs> Yeah, man. When you when you talking when you're talking to an open micer, it's like you're talking to someone who's gonna make a journey. That like, if you had a hundred open micers, what are the odds that they become professional? They they make it to you know? being a working stand up. I'm guessing. I want to guess it's one. Oh, <laughs> out of a hundred. Well, it's it's when you say it that way, it, it is a bigger number. But if you take an isolated area like Philadelphia or whatever city, and you go, right. how many of these? You know, when you go into a town, sometimes I'll know like some of the newer comedians. They they hang out a lot. Sometimes they work at the club because they're right. new. But there's like a group of them, and out of that group, whatever city it is, I always think 
somebody's going to. Maybe yeah. two even, maybe three. It's usually at different levels. one or two at each level, but there's always a hundred guys, right? Like, I started out with Maybe I'm just meeting the cream of the crop. <laughs> you do, well, you definitely are if, you, if it's in L.A., right? And no, no, I'm talking about like when you're on the road. Philly like Philly or New York. Oh, when they come in, you mean? Like Bloomington yeah. has a scene, right. and you think a lot of those people, you two years later, like, wow, look how good they're doing, mm -hmm. and they're in New York now, and they're... Yeah. So in a small group, but yeah, on the probably on the all the comedians in every city that are doing it right now, I guess it's a lot, lot lower. Yeah, if you, if you, what I'm saying is from the person who makes it on stage the first time, every week at the comedy store, you're dealing with how many, what do they get I get on? it now. 16 people in a night, mm -hmm. probably more, 20 people yeah. on an open mic night because they do three minutes each. Let's just say they get up 20 people a night. <laughs> how many of those people are going to become professionals? It might be one out of a hundred. It might be. Yeah, on that, on that, because yeah, and then yeah. how many people? Some people go up once. Yeah, you know, open some... mics are crazy. I I encourage anyone if you're not even into doing stand up, just to go watch an open mic night and see the mania and the madness and what. Some of it is just someone who you you what you're seeing is potential, right? Or no potential. You're seeing one of those two things. Either you see someone where you go, that person is fucking never going to be a stand-up comedian. There's no way. There's just no way. You know? Like, there's no way. And then you're seeing, huh, maybe. Oh, right. yeah. She was funny. Oh, right. yeah. Sometimes when you say the first one where you go, no way. It's not even they yeah. did a bad. It's not ever based on. We're basing it on something. It's still a guess, but we're basing right. it on something pretty fair. It's not like their joke didn't go over and we're going, oh, no. It's. Sometimes it's the vanilla-ness of the personality might mm -hmm. not lend itself to be, you know. Well, it's just, just like, sometimes their brain's broken, too. Some people just, their brain's not working right. And they can kind of get by in regular life, kind of. But you, you see them, like, express themselves, like, I'm going to prepare something and bring it to the stage. And then people go, what in the fuck is going on in your head, sir? <laughs> <laughs> There's those people. And you're just not, this is not going to happen. May, I mean, may they be, might be perfect for music. They might be perfect for being in the front of a, a punk band or something. But it's just, you know, certain people. Like, I think it might be one out of a hundred. Like, if you bomb on stage with a song, it's got to be pretty bad, too. Right. But you have like the others. Which, yeah. You know. Obviously, the people that have, it's just so nobody thinks we're being babies here. The people that have physical risks, that's a way worse thing, right? First responders, police officers, things along those lines. Oh, even in sports, I always oh, say, yeah. I could oh, never sure. do it because in a comedy show, and often it happens, everybody yeah. can win in one night. Like if you're on the road and you're with two other comedians or three or whatever, there's so many nights where everybody wins. You yeah. do great. But in the sports, as you you know, I'm always thinking I could, I could, I can't. The pressure, and I'm not even into sports. I don't give a shit about sports. But when I watch a game, I get a stomach ache for the other team. I'm like, ah, oh, I can't take it. You know it. what? Some of comedy is a sport. You know why? It's because like you're attacking things that aren't there, right? Like you're going after stupid laws and dumb shit that happened, and like you, you're literally by using your words and the way you're describing things, literally having a little battle with something that's not even there. I call them verbal, I hope I say right, ver verbal shit. What's it when in prison? They, what do they do? They, shivs, right? Verbal, Isn't it shivs? Yeah. We're so white. Shank. 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 It's verbal, a shank. A verbal shank. But don't you shiv them? Yeah. 
Yeah. You shiv them with your shank? <laughs> <laughs> we'll be back. Um, <laughs> so you, you, you shiv... Okay, sometimes when a comedian like has just a turn of phrase that would fucking... I always go, oh, he shivved him with his words. Like mm. he just, a verbal I you shiv. Got I think like, that was correct. Mm. I think that's correct. It's fun to watch. Mm. Yeah. When it is. somebody knows how to do it good. Yeah, it's, that's what roast battle was all about. Roast battle is essentially a sport. They, they would f fucking mock each other, mock each other's lives in jokes and be really mean. You know, and some of it was like, oh, Jesus. They would talk about their looks like, oh, my God. Some of them, are, it's painful. I, 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 I went and enjoyed it. I saw it up because it's almost a parody of a roast battle. Like, right. I saw it at the comedy store in the little room, and it was crazy. But so when I'm watching, I'm like, I, I'm too sensitive. I would, I, it would crush me. It would just fucking crush me. I don't want to know the jokes that they would make. And of I'd course. Be, yeah. Some people don't care. But to watch other people, um, it was... <laughs> It was, it was exhilarating. It's a great joke writing exercise. It and is. Unfortunately, so, some people are really good at that, and then, but when it comes to their act, they don't they don't explore as much. So, th so think about like if you're writing about someone. Like there's some people. My point is that there's some people that I've seen that are really good at that roast battle. I see a lot of people do it, but then you see their set, their actual stand-up set, and like, mm, it's missing a spark. Right? There was a spark that you had when you were in combat with this other person because you knew they were going to be firing at you, so you were firing at them. And it was all in fun, but it was also a chance to flex your comedic writing skills. Well, then when you're on stage and it's just you, then what, do you, what is, is there any, where's the juice? Right, right, right. Are you upset? Are you excited? Are you, like, what, are you just like pretending it's not a big deal that you're on stage with a microphone in front of you? Because that's a real problem, too. Are you pretending it's not weird that your voice is amplified? Is Everything you're saying your should motivate someone. To get, it's a, just a great way to say that, like, why are you pretending yeah. it's not <laughs> You don't have to jump up yeah. and down, but come on, what's going on yeah. here? Where are you? Why Where? are you pretending you're, you're not fully aware that people are standing in front of you, hanging on your every word? There was a comedian like that in, uh, I won't even say the city, but they had a, they had a roast, uh, a battle, uh, a roast battle, but the, there were so, like people from the history, like Napoleon, <laughs> and it was it was great. That sounds awesome. Because you, it was also a, that's why I said it was a writing sample. Because you know, if you were writing jokes, you could also make statements, political statements, and and go back and you, no one gets hurt because you're making fun of Hitler. Right. But you still had to write great jokes. And one guy that did it, he was amazing. Like, what the... And I, I just thought, oh, he should know that he should be writing. Mm -hmm. Because he, his stand-up is exactly what yeah. you just said. And it wasn't... It was... But the, I was like, oh, this... I hope he knows. Like, oh, that's your strong point. Dude, the thing is, the stand-up, like, when, when you're doing something like that, you have a little bit more freedom. It's more open-ended. But in the stand-up, right, people are paying to see you. And you, you're supposed to be getting laughs. Right. And when you're not getting laughs, there's this feeling of disappointment in the audience. And when you're doing new stuff, man, there's this is a distinct possibility there's going to be no fucking laughs in the spot where you wanted there to be laughs. And you're like, yikes. <laughs> I thought that was a way funnier idea. Or maybe I just fucked up the way I said it. Or maybe I just have to stretch it out and figure out where the good spots are and then start hacking it up and editing it. <laughs> you know, but this is going to be a real problem with bombing. You're gonna you have, you're gonna be you have to be comfortable with saying a joke that's just not that good, and some people just aren't. And so they get to that spot and they go, "Fuck that! Let's do some tried and true." Boom! Let's hit them with some proven stuff. Boom! 
I know you got me nervous one night at the comedy store. I did? Yeah. No. Well, you were like, just everybody. You were right. You were like, okay, all new stuff. Everybody knew. Oh, that was and just, then, yeah. And then I was <laughs> like, oh, shit. Oh, because we were supposed to. That was the show mm-hmm. or somewhere. And I was like, I was up on stage. I'm like, oh, shit, maybe he's never seen this one out. This is well. That wasn't a stand up on the spot show. That was Nick Yusuf's show, right? His new new stuff show. I think it was that. I forget what it was, but uh, that show you're supposed to only work on new shit. You're supposed to only work on. We had like a weird rule where when Yusuf and I came up with it, we were like, it can't be any older than six weeks old. Any bit that you have to self police. But any bit older than six weeks old, you got you got to. Yeah, I don't remember exactly because I wouldn't have fought that. That's like, a good move, right? Six weeks. Six weeks is like you got some time. Like yeah, six time, weeks. So you're saying it's fresh enough. It's yeah. It's it's new enough, but it's also like you should have worked it out a little bit. You, oh yeah, you that's, fa- that's more that. than fair. More than fair, right? That's more than fair. It might even be four weeks. Four weeks might be the real. You should pull it back a little. If you ask pull me. it back a little. Three. <laughs> Three weeks? Maybe. Wow, three weeks is dangerous. <laughs> I three mean, weeks? that means you've said it five, six times. What more do right. you want? Sometimes there's a bit that works real good and then doesn't. You ever see those bits? They just die. You're yeah. like, this one's going to be a quarterback. And then Sometimes I never know <laughs> either. <laughs> if I videotape myself, maybe I'd learn. Do you uh, record yourself audio? I don't. I don't. And, I, no. and I'm so embarrassed because I know how good it is to do it. Mm. I did it five or six times in my whole career. <laughs> And it was uh, it did so much good that you would think them want because I'm lazy, you know when you you know what you were just saying about you go to a joke and it's just dead, which yeah. you know it's just like I started doing this thing and it really helps me get out of those moments. So I'll just I'll hit the punchline, nothing. So whatever I'll go black, and then it was well I'll make up a punchline. Uh, it was blue, but you know what? Then I realized instantly. So here's what I just did. Sometimes in comedy, ladies and gentlemen, you get to an end of a joke, and it's not the crowd's fault because you're great, but it just doesn't land, and it's uncomfortable for them. They feel bad for you. So what I did when I hit that period about 30 seconds ago, I just been talking nonstop ever since, and now we're here, and everybody's happy. <laughs> That's perfect. That's a perfect dismount. They do it for like 15 seconds, and then they figure yeah. out. I always say, are they going to figure out? I go, so about 15 seconds ago, I hit a punch, and it wasn't your fault. And yeah. now I'm here. Everybody's great. <laughs> oh, hey. And then the whole, like a whole new premise. Whole new premise launches. Those like, that's like, Jesus Christ. It's like building a house. out of You're planting a seed, and then you're watering the ground, and then the tree comes out. You got to wait for it to grow. Then cut it. Oh, oh, you're talking about a whole not not a, a start. A whole new premise, like weird out there premises or premises you've never discussed before, or things you never thought of before. You, know, you go into a whole new way of thinking about stuff. It's so much fun, isn't it? Fuck yeah, it's awesome. It it's really greatest, is. I still get gig. like, it really is. Just and the and the and um, you know, with the recorder like on the phone, yeah. that's changed. That's because I don't like writing stuff down. I could say that's changed my life. Do you do do the um, text uh, speech to text? Yes. Where you just talk into it and mm-hmm. it writes your notes for you. That's yeah. amazing. And it's every one of my, I can just put jokes on there. But yeah. if I, you know, the recorder. Mm-hmm. Oh, that recorder, man, that just cleaned my head up. Yeah, the recorder's Whew. giant. It's a big deal. Yeah, man. Any anything where you can catch those slippery thoughts, like I think Neil Brennan said it best. He, I think he called his notebook. He's like, this is like a net where I catch ideas. And I was like, ooh. That is a great way of looking at it. That is a great way of looking at it because some ideas just go away. Like they're so profound. <laughs> they're so profound. But then a couple of hours later, you're like, what the fuck was I thinking? That always used to get me where I'd have this amazing idea, or what I thought was an amazing idea. And then I, I go, ah, that's such a good idea. I'll remember it in the morning. And I go to sleep. 
I know, I still I, pull that shit. I've never remembered it. Never, never. Never. I still pull that. I go, what are you doing? If my phone, if I, I didn't have my charger, now I finally got a cord and it's next to the bed, so I always have a cord to plug in my phone. But uh, never. Why do I? And it's not, not half the time. Never. And I still have the I go out. No, because that's a good idea. Never. Hedberg had a joke about that. Too lazy. To yeah, about being too lazy to get up to get a pen to write something down. So I just convinced myself it wasn't that funny in the first place. <laughs> But what's great is that that was a bit he did on stage, and it would kill. Yeah. I mean, I, I didn't do it well. I don't remember the way no, you the got phrasing. The gist. You got the gist. We, you know the used to? We were thinking, okay, I used to do drugs. I still do, but I used to, too. Yes. So <laughs> last night we were saying, I used to do Mitch Hedberg's. I used to do drugs. I still do, but I used to too. I mean, I still do, but I used to too. Okay, I know. I, uh, let me back up for a second. So I do Mitch doing Rodney Dangerfield. You know, I do Rodney if he did Mitch. I'll be like, I'll tell you the other day, guys. I used to do drugs. I still do, but I used to too. You know, that's and actually you, yeah. pretty good. So you do any Mitch Hedberg joke is Rodney, and it's you know, and it's killed. It's, it's, I'll tell you the other day, guys. If I wanted a banana, you know, I said no. I want a regular one later. So all right, you know, I'll do it. Right. You know, what are you gonna do? Right? So. I, use, I do the used to. I hope this goes somewhere. So I used. I, I, I did the. Uh, I'll tell you, I used to do drugs. I so right. my friend asked me if I still do that. He, I go, I used to do the Mitch Hedberg. I still do drugs, but I used to, too. I still do, but I used to, too. <laughs> There's something in there. It's amazing that you kept it all together through that. I did there for that There was used to, to the used to, But it too. makes sense. It makes yeah, sense. It, you, but you nailed it. You dismounted. Like, I shouldn't feet, try. Feet flat wow. on the ground. It's a solid dismount. There was wow. no, no stumble. No, it was good. That was very good. Thank you. It was very good. Thank you. Mitch, it, he's like, to me, one of the more amazing comedians ever because what he would do was uh, complete non sequiturs. He would go from one non sequitur to another non sequitur, nothing connected together other than here, here's some other shit I thought up. You know, here's mm -hmm. some other shit I wrote down. And, and even though not through probably a good idea for everyone to know that does one liners, that there's still uh, it has to be an essence of you in them. Like even though his jokes didn't segue together, like they seem, there's still you knew who he was by yeah. his jokes. Obviously, like the yeah. oh he had a you know he definitely had. They're not just individual jokes just glued all together. No, they were all so silly too. So right, exactly. Like, that's the thing about I've always said like the best way to describe him. He's like one of my favorite silly comedians. I know it's funny. A lot of people you don't hear always complimentary yes. of course about Mitch, yes. but silly. And that's what I realized later after he died. Like how silly he was silly. He's so yeah, silly. silly. That was who he was very silly So yeah. that that's what you know about him. You know, that he was the type of comedian He would get into his rhythm like I would listen to him a lot of times on the way to the airport because uh, I was you know you, That traffic on the way to the airport's annoying. He just wanted to just chill out and giggle So I'd put on some Mitch Hedberg and just be fucking giggling like and and when you're just smiling when you're not when he's you know in between punchlines you just have a big smile on your face because he he would put on this silly vibe and you would get caught up in it because it was really fun and then he had such great writing too and playful it was yeah 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 yeah, yeah his, now but, he's and dead. Rodney oh <laughs> I think and Rodney had a lot of that too you know Rodney's seriously seriously underrated comedian and his style. There was a great article about it recently. Didn't we talk about this on the podcast that Rodney, there was a, an article that was written recently about Rodney. I forget who wrote it, like Esquire, one of those things. But they were talking about how long it took him to become a good comedian, that it wasn't until he was like in his 50s that he figured it out. 
And it's like talking about him boiling down his act and talking about how cutting all the fat out of his act. And if you mm -hmm. go back and listen to his early performances, you could see it was more meandering. And then towards it was the more stand-up-y. Yeah. I, I, I realized that a few years ago. And you listen to the old ones, and uh, he would, like, in other words, a joke could be, it was still Rodney, but it would be like, this is more of a, a joke a comedian would tell, not really a one-liner. It'd be like, right. you know, like, you know you're getting old when your you know, family tells you, you know, when, you, when their family talks in front of you, hey, you know? Hey, yeah. put Pops in the garage. We got people coming over, you know? <laughs> Pop just sits there and drools, you know? But that was more yeah. like a piece. Yeah. And I forgot about that, Rodney. Mm -hmm. And then there's a lot of, you know, just, there's, there's short little stories, but they're not, and then all of a sudden, the one, I, I, Saw him, uh, uh, my, uh, remember Bob Nelson? Yes. Bob Nelson opened for him, and then I got to yeah. meet Rodney backstage through Bob. And uh, you know what it is when you think you know something? It, it applies with everything. Sexism, you think you know what it is, but you really don't. There's still a lot more to learn. Right. Of course I knew what timing was before I saw Rodney. I could tell you I was a comedian for 10 years at that point. Right. But I know what timing is. But then when you saw Rodney, I went, oh, fuck, that's timing. It was so uh, like I, I yeah, knew what it was, I but I just mean. got a doctorate in what it was. I just right. saw it delivered like the the best of the best of the best, and it, and I go now. The, I like I, I mean, it was just crazy with the with the every turn mm -hmm. and every and then just just when you think how can he take you anywhere, and then the band kicks in, and then he <laughs> starts like you know doing betting music and all this the other day, and my wife and she and then the band bump they got bigger and bigger. Then he started singing this song because everybody sang them, but Rodney did it in his own way. He starts going you know uh something about to dream whatever the song is and then he he does about 10 seconds of it and then he goes what the fuck am i singing for you know <laughs> and it's like i'm watching him i'm going oh my god to you they're just a band but uh, he goes i know to this band to you they're just a band but to me they're a bunch of fucking idiots <laughs> and then the band has their talk because they're all you know musicians from that city obviously they're taught you know yeah. so they he goes no they'll tell you what they are they're not and then they all stand up and they go we're fucking idiots <laughs> I got to see Rodney when I was 19 when I was uh, working as a security guard at Great Woods Great Woods is a concert place in Mansfield Massachusetts and Rodney was there in the bathrobe era did you see bathrobe, Ron, Rodney? I, oh, he went out on stage in a bathrobe? Naked. With a bathrobe on. <sighs> I, yeah, I thought his, it like the improv he would show up. But no, you're saying he was doing this? In the arenas. This place is big. Great, great Woods <laughs> is like 12,000 people. Isn't that great in a way, He's though? A, he was a fucking maniac. He was a fucking maniac. He was amazing. He was so free. He was hanging backstage, and apparently his cock is enormous. His cock and balls were just hanging out. He didn't give a fuck. He's just got this bathrobe on, and he's got his legs crossed, and his fucking sack is hanging down. And, and the security guards would be like, what the fuck, dude? I didn't see that. I only saw him. It's like a Bigfoot sighting. And I met him later in life, but to me, like, in 19, I hadn't even thought about doing stand-up yet, but I was such a huge fan of it. He walked from, you know, like, like you're looking down the hallway to where his dressing room is, and he walked from one room to another. It was like a Bigfoot sighting. Like, I only saw him for a second, but I saw Rodney. It's, it's like that. It's, you know, I said seeing Rodney was like, it's not like seeing 
the the like if you saw Paul McCartney, you right, think, right. Would you, yeah, you'd freak out. Yeah. But seeing Rodney was like getting to see if you saw Fred Flintstone. You can't see Fred Flintstone. He's a cartoon. <laughs> Rodney is so right, larger right. than life that it was overwhelming. You weren't just going taking in someone that was a celebrity and you'd seen on TV. There but he like, is, like. and there he is. There he is, like three feet from you, and you'd be like. Fuck, that's Rodney. What is that between his legs? No, shut up. It's balls. It's getting covered by something. Is that real? Yeah. Oh, that's his balls. That's yeah. his sack or his dick both. or both. Yeah. He's an animal. Bob would have. Bob Nelson would have great stories about like, and they were so specific, and you knew Rodney said them, and it was just so. <laughs> they, a couple came up to him after their wedding, and uh, they go, uh, "Do you know this one?" No. And they go, uh, uh, Rod, he was trying to gamble, you know, Rod, Rodney, we just got married. What do you think? And he goes, uh, you both could have done better. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> what do you think? You both could have done better. <laughs> That's a well-disguised insult. I'm telling you. That's a beautiful joke. Those people won't know that it was an insult until they right. get in their car. Wait a second. That means he says we're both. But what? We're both ugly. It's canceling out. That's playing ping pong in their head you both good it's a, who's that an insult to that wife goes it's an insult to you i think it's both of us you moron yeah that's when you find out who the boss in the relationship is joke like that why who has to take it, it's me who's taking the hit yeah who feels bad about this one <laughs> maybe you both be honest and just admit you're both maybe that not is that a weird great thing when someone feels like they're too good looking for the other person in the relationship and that you could they be wrong? Yeah, they could be wrong. I mean, there are there are people that like different things. You know, there's people like different looks. Some guys like big girls. You know, who knows? People like different shit. But if you think they don't like you as much as you'd like them, ooh, can I tell you bad. what you do to prevent that? What do you do? Oh, I hope I'm answering. I hope I'm. Is that like? Because you know when people tell stories, they'll be like, and, and, and everything was great. I, th I think this is addressing what you're saying. Um, everything was great, and then it just, he, he, or he or she, or she or she, whatever the relationship is, somebody else goes, and they wanted to end it. Everything was great. Well, look, mm. because what do you want them to do? Wait, I'm not saying there's not rules and feelings and how you present it, but right. I think most of the time everything is great. And then you, it, you realize one day, you wake up. And I've had it to me. I must have been on the other end of this. And yeah. they, they just don't want to be in it, but they stay in it because that doesn't mean they don't not care about you. So they stay in it and it gets bad. You see it coming. But so I always say, I always let someone know, let them know you're not crazy. That like you, they learn that by what you tell about past stories. Like, right. and I once said this to someone, it was very early, early on, but I said, I have a feeling. I practiced it in my head and I was glad I did it. And I was like 23 or four at the time. I said, I have a feeling that I like you more than you like me. Whoa. And I said, I, it's okay. I go, let me say this, because I don't want this to be the day where I threw you off. If I'm wrong, I really like you. So if, you're, if I just read it wrong, that's great. Right. But, 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 if that's the, I don't think that's, right. I go, I won't, of course I'll be sad, but I won't hate you. I won't be, I, I, I'm, I'll be okay. So mm -hmm. if it, and then, and then he was like, you, you're right. Because I said it in a way 
that I could that he would be comfortable to say, you know what? Right. I, it, I, I put a little bit of choke, a little bit of like swallow, but I was okay, and I and I want to know that. So that's my right. answer to your question. You don't want to be delusional. I don't want to be delusional. I felt it, and I asked, and I asked the fact that the fact that I put that preface in there. Look, I need to let you know this, not to make you feel bad, right. but I do like you because I don't want to find out ten years later. I thought you were giving me walking papers, so I had to be clear with my feelings, but mainly let that person know. And that way, I didn't end up in a relationship for another year where I knew the other person might... How could that go bad, right. what I did? There's no way that could go bad. No, especially if you're hanging out with adults, right? You know, when I was a kid, I think one of the things that took me a long time to get past was it was always thought that if you talked about your feelings and your emotions, that that was weak. That was a weakness. It's not something you did with your friends, and it's not something you wanted to do with a girl. You didn't, you just, you didn't want to talk about your emotions. You didn't want to talk about how you actually felt about things. <clears throat> you wanted to play it stoic. You wanted to Charles Bronson your way through life, you know? That's what a lot of guys tried to do. Yeah. And um, that not understand, like, we don't, one of the big problems with people, because you don't really know who you like until you're around them for a while. You really don't. And then sometimes you're like, ooh, I'm not into this person. This is, I'm so bored. I can't have any more of these conversations. I can't do this. I can't do, I'm panicking. I gotta get out. And then, just, but everything was perfect. Everything was going amazing. No, 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 you thought everything was going amazing. It doesn't mean everything was going amazing. It means you didn't even check in. Right. Or the other way. But women, no, that, women that, should be bored as fuck with dudes. It's well, no, of thing. course, well, it's the same thing. That's same why I always thing. say that. Like, I'm, I'm comfortable having the only th reason I get nervous having relationship discussions when somebody's going too heavy on women are crazy. I'm like, yeah. if that was any truth to that, you look at same sex couples. If, if, if it was true, hey, by there's a lot of women that think men are crazy. Yes. If, if that was true, if there's any truth to that, it's people. There's people that are evolved, and there's people that are, you know, have a deep level head on their shoulders because if there was any truth that one sex was crazier there's a science to disproving that then in lesbian relationships they you'd go hey how's your relationship and they'd go well of course we argue a teeny bit here and there but no no we're both women so we're getting along great no well we got rid of the problem and in male male relationships it's the same problems it's not like you go oh yeah we don't have the crazy women so when it's two guys dating everything's great no same exact problem so it's not the sex it's people does that make you? You're a hundred percent correct. You could not be more correct. And there's a real problem. We got to really avoid this shit. There's people that'll say things like, you know, women are all dumb bitches or men are all p shit, and that that's nonsense. This these gender-based generalizations are so stupid. There's nice people that are women. There's <laughs> nice people that are men. It's just there's plenty of them. Yeah. You, you can't have a few bad relationships and turn on other people and uh, every person who has the same gender and also like Take a good look at yourself because if you really you know There's there's some people out there that do generalize like that like look at who look at your shit thinking that you're just diarrhea Spraying out into the world That's you know, I mean that's really what it is whether you're a sexist against women or a sexist against men You you've, you've just such a piss-poor way of looking at things everybody knows you're wrong Everybody knows you're wrong. You think that, I mean, whatever it is, any generalization, whether it's a racist generalization, sexist, homophobic, it's all the same. Everybody who's listening knows what it is. You know what it is when someone makes a generalization. Like, you know, look, no, you're not looking at it right. You don't know nice people that are black. You don't know any nice people that are black. That's ridiculous. Like, who the fuck are you? 
Like, how can you make this judgment when I've met so many? Like, you're not meeting enough people, or they meet you and they go, oh, this guy's a fucking asshole, so they avoid you, so everybody's got this thing that they're spreading about you. Yeah, that's why younger people tend to, you know, just by being around. I wish there was a place you could go if you couldn't afford college, because I don't think it's the education at college that you probably learn the most from. It's the being forced to be around other sure. people. You go, oh, I'd rather hang out with that group that I hated because we have the same taste in music. And you learn it because you're forced to live together. Right. But I wish, wouldn't it be cool if there was like, where can you go if you're like, well, I don't want to afford college, but I want to put my kids around all, well, some parents wouldn't want to do it, but kids could do it. I just want to be around every type of person. But you don't know to do that. College, that's the thing about college. And I didn't go to college. I didn't even graduate high school. But it, isn't that true that that's where a lot of growing does with young kids when they're forced sure. to be around other people? Look, some kids, they're living with really suppressive parents. And the only way they even know who the fuck they are is if they could sleep in their own bed, with, open their own door with their own key, go into their own room, lie down, and then just be alone. Be away from these f other fucking people that are constantly giving you these rules that you have to follow and have these lofty expectations for your success. And like, fucking Christ, you don't even know what you want to do. And they want you to do something that's going to pay a lot of money we're, we're spending a lot of money to send you to school todd we want to make sure that you're productive productive todd no drinking no gallivanting oh. just in there work 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 and meanwhile you know you just finally get a chance to listen to some music that you never heard before and hang out with some people from some part of the country you never been maybe you smoke weed with them you hang out and you're you know you're 18 19 years old and you're just figuring out the you world figure together. Out a lot of stuff yeah and you're free of the fucking parents that's a big part of it man free of the parents and every generation, every generation is more aware of how fucking stupid the previous generation was. Like, there was some grandpappy days back on the fucking farm when they would, you know, they would talk about their grandparents and their grandparents were wiser than them. You know, that's not the case anymore. The people today are more informed than any human beings that have ever lived ever. By the way, you might have so. just said the only thing that I agree with when it comes to, because I always say, look, of course there's things we should go back and get, but mostly tomorrow's the better day. But I go, when there's something in the past that, oh, that's true, I go, oh, we should go back to that and learn that. Right. I'm not just saying, but very rarely does someone get me. Mostly I always go, no, and I, I look at it from <laughs> another. But that is something, but it explains everything that's going on right now. The yeah. true kids, well, I always say kids are getting smarter than their, their parents. Way smarter. Um, and the, and, and, um, I, it makes me want to be like a, 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 a progressive bully. Like I, <laughs> I try to say, I called, I called, I said that about you once, Mark Maron. Not that word, but I go. I need people that are like. I think I might have said a bully, but on the right side of history, so it was a compliment. Like a, Thank you. And what I meant is a big guy. It's like, yeah, fucking. But that's what I said. So. A progressive um, bully. But, but, but you is, still, you still, I, when I say it like as a character, like you still, you know, you, you, look, you, you still, you, you have clean thoughts and, you, and, you, and you've changed your views on things. But when I say it, like I want to be so mean, like I want to be so fucking mean the other mm -hmm. way, like just I know what you mean. like dice clay, but just anybody, you don't want gay marriage, die already. Go home and die. Oh. Why can't people live? And you like, drop dead. I hope your baby. Just the most mm. vicious things, but all about people that won't like. The you know, all the, about, does the, it make, yeah. yeah, no, there's definitely some merit in that. Just people realize how fucking stupid it is because you're mocking it so relentlessly and everybody's cheering along. And then someone who might be entertaining those thoughts is going to listen to it. There's a guy on Sam Harris's podcast this week, Waking Up with Sam Harris. His name is uh, Christian Piccolini. 
and uh, he used to be a white male supremacist and he got recruited when he was like 14 years old and was in it for like I think he said eight years or something like that and just was talking uh, to Sam Harris about these horrific decisions that he had made in this group that he had got connected to and they were committing violent crimes against black people and like all this the crazy shit that he was talking about and then you listen to him now as this guy in his 40s is like super rational and very intelligent and well-read and it's like saying like look I just got caught up in this ideology I went down this road and I just other people were doing the thinking for me and we were all doing it for each other it became this this horrific group think that he got swept up in I think that's happening with progressive people too I think there's a this 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 need to be right and to shout down each other and and ruthlessly mock each other like that has to be used like nuclear weapons like only in in the case of like severe issues where like you've got a country another country that's about to develop a nuclear weapon and they're gonna go after you first or they've already done it and you have to dis disarm their nukes we've got to be nicer to each other when it comes to talking about these ideas because every time someone from the left attacks relentlessly and ruthlessly and viciously someone from the right because of their ideas. You just start a back and forth. You're, not, you're not looking at it in a way like there's got to be some way to communicate your ideas in a friendly way. You know what I do now? And believe me, I'm guilty of this. And I, 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 when I even from when I did my Netflix special to now, the way I do four jokes are like I changed it because that whole thing. Look, Todd, do you want to take people with you, or right, do you? Right. Because you, I, someone said, I go, I don't want to be Tucker Carlson to the other side, so flippant and so fucking snarky that. Uh, so I go, okay, that's maybe what I am. I don't see it when I agree with the person. So if I see someone that's snarky but it says everything I agree, but I go. So I do want to sometimes bring people. So change the way you say it. Go in a little softer. Remember, you're trying to bring somebody with you and bring them over. But, right. but sometimes I want to split the difference. And I could be wrong because sometimes I think when I'm screaming at the top of my lungs and I literally have to take a break on the podcast, you know, about something. Maybe that gives some, and it's about a transgender issue, something I'm not going through, but I'm able to scream it. So someone that's going through it goes, God damn it. How is he so close? Or when I can yell about a women's issue, so like, God damn it, scream at the top of my lungs because they say scream about what you're not because you can get angrier. Maybe I give someone their dignity back. Maybe sometimes screaming into the canyon is okay, but not to another person's face. Right, right. Into the, the canyon, canyon of podcasting. Of or, yeah, 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 yeah. But when it comes, to, but, but then you have to decide because a podcast is always a canyon. I think but it's I'd, also you have the ability. So someone is going to attack you. Maybe the only way they have the ability is to do it in, a, you know, a Twitter post or a blog post. I mean, they're all people with their own opinions too, right? Yeah, yeah. That's why you got to look at things. Yeah, you always. Yeah, that's why I said I. You know, you. you then that, that's why I'm very aware of that now. Trying to. There's just to, way too much stupid fighting. There's, there's, there's debate over issues about real things. Like right now, what's going on with this? What do they call it? Walk for our lives? Yeah. March for our lives. Oh, can I? Yeah. Go ahead. Let me just real quick. Cause yeah. I, yeah. I, I, prefer, I have a few times, and there's one, even one post I want to take down because it, it, it's a woman that's heckling me, and it turned into a sexist, words flying back and forth, and I want to take it down if I could post why I'm taking it down. 
Because mm-hmm. I think when somebody's, even when your fans are defending you, I like when someone corrects their fans. No, no, that don't defend me with those words. Right. You know, don't. So you're talking about before about when the verbiage is, you know, on. So always try to go in. I, I think you're responsible if you're if you're, if they're flying things back and forth and you're on a Twitter. If somebody's saying something, go in and say no. You know, the word. You don't have to start throwing around these words. It has nothing right. even to do with the topic. They're just that's the way they express themselves. Well, it's like the way people disagree about things can change. Like the way they communicate their disagreement can change how it gets resolved you know and but what always happens is if you go hard they go hard back and I think we're de- we're dealing with that back and forth in this country and what I was gonna say is yeah. about this walk for our March for our lives March for our lives is um, that what I'm seeing that's very confusing to me is from people who are gun supporters like the NRA supporters who and some of them have even mocked these kids for getting attention by going to these marches and stuff like that, and they're saying that nobody would have heard of you or nobody know who you are. Like, this is a ridiculous way to look at it. They, it's, it's very defensive because they're, they're feeling like someone's coming after their guns. So they're, they're going on the attack in some ways that's just really not recommended, like the way they're doing. They're, it they're, makes they're me numb. Mar- they're, they're mocking what the what the reason would be for these kids to be on TV that got shot at these kids that got shot at and they're fucking 16 years old and they're gonna be on TV and someone's mocking no would know who you were if it wasn't for this thing like yeah of course but they went through that fucking thing they're the few kids that have gone through this thing in the country that are standing on the public stage and saying look at us you got to do something you can't have the same shit happen over and over and over again and maybe they don't have the most complicated solution but they're right mm-hmm. and they're there's they're forcing people to talk and if anybody should be forcing people to talk it's the kids that were around their friends that got shot who realized their fucking parents are working all day and they come home tired and no one's gonna fix nothing no one has the time and the politicians are all in bed with the NRA and all these different organizations as if they're on the left and everybody's beholden to their special interest groups so these kids are seeing all this shit and they know nothing's gonna happen nothing's gonna happen more kids are gonna get shot more kids are gonna get shot and then what do the NRA people do they they mock these kids that's crazy at what point doesn't someone pull you aside and go, I picture, I don't believe in violence, obviously, in relationships, but in the old movies when somebody would Slack. have to, so, stop! Backhand, like, right? Yeah, That's just stop! Just full disdain for any retaliation. You're Sometimes, not even trying to hit someone with the best part. Just, psh, you know, you hit someone with the back of your hand. It's, the back of your hand is generally more sensitive. It's like, it's, it hurts. Like, if you hit someone with the back of your hand, you can hurt your hand. Like, I know a lot of guys who have broken their hands in a fight because they hit someone with a spinning back fist with the back of their hand. It's not protected. So that's just letting someone Boom. know. I'm so and, and by the way, of you. Since we were just hands. saying how to be more peaceful, I'm, I'm, what I'm saying is when somebody, it doesn't even mean, we're not, I'm not saying don't have a conversation and don't disagree. Of course, of course. I'm not. We're saying the person that wants to shake you and stop you is once you start making fun of these kids. Someone even that agrees with you that there shouldn't be any, isn't there someone on that side that can go, stop? And I guess there are. But when, uh, when they say, you know, you should learn, see, Rick, Rick, uh, Rick uh, what's his name? Rick, uh, the, the guy who said if they, the kids should, instead of looking for someone else to solve their problems, uh, they should learn CPR. 
Rick Santorum. Yeah. That doesn't That makes you not like That doesn't even make sense. He make actually s- said that. No, that because doesn't even make sense. Doctors were tweeting it brilliantly like, you know, like that's like so you're saying John Lennon would right. uh, be alive if Yoko owned a new CPR? Is that's that, what, is that what you're saying, right? Yeah, you just got to use CPR to yeah. f- repair that blown out liver. And they explained that to about? him. But then, you know, you talk about combating kids. That, I thought that was a great way. Just some really clean tweets from doctors breaking it down very cleanly. This would not, it doesn't even and make Rick any Santorum sense. Rick Santorum is a Republican? Uh-huh. So there you go. I think, so I mean, that's, but well, if I could just stop, just say one thing I really feel like is really important to this. I think both the people on the right and the people on the left have way more in common than they, they, than they have apart. And I think that a lot of the, the, the battle that people on the left have is they've chosen to be on the left, the same with people on the right. They've chosen to be on the right. So anything that happens on the left, they completely disagree with. They, they, they immediately go, oh, that's a left-wing liberal idea. And they just have these little back and forths with each other that are completely unnecessary. I think the majority of people just want everybody to get along, not have crime. You think Bernie Sanders maybe could have done that? Not could he have won, but Maybe, what, what would but happen pro- if he got... The problem with Bernie is the same reason why he let those Black Lives people take his mic and start screaming into the thing, like, hey, buddy, can't do that. You're running for fucking president, and you're showing right here that people can just storm the stage and take the microphone from you. Like, you should say, I would love to have a dialogue with you. Let's do it publicly. Let's schedule it now. We'll come back. We'll get a large group of people, and I'll speak with you on this stage if you represent this very important political movement. But here's what you can't do. You can't disrespect this campaign speech because you're literally stopping people from ever voting for me if I let you do it. Because that's the fact. What if People he said, watched him do that, and they go, you can't let kids just take over your show. You can't. You're the guy who's supposed to be running the country. You can't even run this fucking thing. You got this one thing. You're standing on the stage in front of 300 people. Three of them just took your mic. Congratulations. You don't have leadership ability. What about it's right other, there. What about other than that? <laughs> that's a big part. That's big. That's, that's not good. That's not good. But you know what? In the moment, he made an error. That doesn't mean that's who he is. His, part of the problem is people are judging you by these moments that you, you have, right? And it doesn't define him. He might have done that and go, well, you know, I was just trying to be nice. I, I didn't expect that. I thought security was going to get them out of there. But they didn't. You know, they didn't. It, they wound up on the stage with him screaming. I thought you know? maybe he fe- – I didn't – I've seen him do when he did those type of things a few times. You want to see the video? want to see it? It's kind, yeah, it's kind of yeah. interesting. I thought it was his way of saying, look, I get it. Yeah. What it must feel like to not be able to be heard. And it's not my fault that no one's ever listened to you so far. But what do we have to do? And then maybe he feels they go up and they – just I want a sane person would lead. It would lead right. a sane person when you ignore that long to just grab a mic. And maybe he goes, I have to be a part of letting this person spill out a little. Yeah, but the problem is then who doesn't spill out? Everybody can spill out. Everybody can jump up for their own cause, whether it's white power or fucking Jews' lives matter, yeah, whatever well. it is. You could just decide that you have a group now, and your group may very well be valid. But you can just decide now you're just going to yell out when, whenever there's some sort of a political speech, and then it'll be your chance to talk. You're just going to take the mic and make it all about you. Yeah, there's got to be can. some civility. There are a lot of things we need to be concerned with. We need to be concerned with war. We need, we need to be concerned with poverty, education, health care, all these different things. But you can't just represent each one of these very, very important groups and jump on stage everywhere and start yelling. Do you know what I thought? Does that make sense? Yes. <laughs> I, should be, I should be just done with this. You, 
No, no, why? It's because the subject is like, it gets so exhausting. I know. Let me add one more thing. (laughs) (laughs) No, because I, by the way, you know, you have these theories in your head, and then sometimes somebody will respond and and blow it out of you. You know, just on your own, I never thought about that. But I had this theory. It it was a weird way that I thought about it. Well, two things. One, kids do, I'm stealing from the act a teeny bit, but just because it's a a stat I use in the act. Kids do, if there was a Yelp review, young adults have an amazing Yelp review for being on the right side. Who they they root for, who they, I think, music. Well, you're dealing with some left wing democratic out here kids like what you ever talked to some kids from alabama but i'm talking about on the the masses of kids that that march oh the ones that march the ones that march the ones that get involved if you go back and look at like you know kent state or you know i'm sure alabama i'm sure we (laughs) we could pull up 50 but so with that said now i'm not saying we shouldn't doubt them if i had a gun to my head and someone said if we had a crystal ball are they making the right choice about Bernie Sanders, these kids? And I go, oh, let me ask you. I got to talk about that for five. I got to watch a campaign. I got to watch a debate. I can't. How's he going to ha- handle public policy? How's he right. going to? I can't right. just. Eh. I, they go, we're going to shoot you in your head. I go, kids, overwhelmingly kids like him. Yeah, he's going to do the right thing. And I think if there was a crystal ball, here's my theory. But I don't okay. know. I've never said this, I think, out loud. That maybe 50 years from now, just like we're learning about history. They would talk about him in the way that, you know, this guy came into office, picture kids, and they're telling him why maybe 2022 started to be these good times. And, there's, and they're, they're talking about history. And they go, well, well, guy came into office, and he really didn't know anything about the, the – he didn't really know about he – was, he was not – you know, he didn't know about war. He didn't know about no, – and no one thought he could really do it. But he was one thing that you wouldn't think would answer our economical problems. You can be a nice-hearted person, but that's not going to answer your economical problems. But it, it ended up doing that because he, he did truly treat everybody kind. Mm. And it ended up that when people started to be treated fairly, the world worked better with less depressed people. I'm not saying everybody, but people, we right. torture people. If we had someone in power that was overwhelmingly kind right. and people felt the wrath of that almost very quickly, right. maybe we go. And then, you know what? No one ever thought this. Then some of the economical problems worked out, the, worked themselves out. Now that is based on no science. Ex- <laughs> no matter. You know, well, yeah, I'm, I'm acknowledging right. yeah. that, that, but that was in my head. See, the, the economy is apparently a very complicated thing that can be interpreted many ways. Like, there are many people right now that would tell you the economy has never been better, stock market's booming, uh, black people are more employed today than ever in history. And these are like the MAGA people, right? They'll, they'll jump on that. And other people will tell you, no, we're, we're sitting on a bunch of huge bubbles, a commercial real estate bubble and credit bubble and all this different shit that could go down at any moment. There's all sorts of problems. We're getting automated cars soon. It's going to put thousands of people out of jobs, if not millions. You know, it's hard to figure out who the fuck's right. It's hard. It, it's the, when you talk about like a dummy like you or myself and trying to prognosticate... Like, what would make people successful and what would make people not? What I, I don't know about the economic part, but what I do know is as long as you have a person who's kind but also firm, like a, a person who's kind but you also you're not worried about them if something happens with China or Russia. Like, we live in a crazy world. We live in a world where there's really basically three superpowers, but one motherfucker of a superpower, and that's us. But we're run by a guy who used to host Celebrity Apprentice. Okay? 
Like, it's gotten super squirrely. It's super squirrely. And there's all these other people that are other superpowers that are going, hmm, what's going on over there? That place don't look so fucking healthy. That place looks a little fucked up right now. And this is like they're expelling Russian diplomats and all this crazy shit's going down. And, and Putin just won another election. And we're watching this thing go down between the top three superpowers. And one of them is run by a maniac. Maybe two of them are, but one of them is run <laughs> by a guy we know is a maniac, and we put him in there, and a lot of people are still going along with it, and they like it. So I, I oh, I get a question for you. Okay. With, with, with no, not, not like snarky or anything, because um, I was trying to think, like, you know, like, it, there's more things you said we have in common than there's got to be some yeah. commonalities. Uh, Freedom. What, what, Freedom's number one. What would be one that you could, like, because I always think, like, anything I can get defend Trump on, even right. if it's stupid, I go out of my way to defend it. One time someone, it, it doesn't matter what it was, there were two times, and I did. I went, no, that's, he didn't do anything or this. But what's something positive? About well, Trump that you or what they want like a bill they want to pass or something they want to do that you think I'm okay with that like what what are some of those things are there any as far as bills yeah like no. something you could be positive seen, meet in the middle and you I said, haven't seen anything that like made me very excited I've seen more things that made me very nervous the offshore drilling that makes me very nor nervous obviously those things break sometimes we've had a few of them in our lifetimes. Um, the Alaska one, that was a big one. I remember that it happened right when I was in high school. Or no, I was uh, right when I was starting to do stand-up. That's what it was. Like literally right around then, the Valdez had crashed. Oh, right. And leaked all that oil and, and just destroyed this delicate ecosystem with fucking millions of gallons of oil. Or whatever it was. How many so, thousands of gallons or whatever the fuck it was. But that they're going to they're gonna have more offshore drilling. That scares the shit out of me. They, they're... Um, getting rid of uh, certain public parks and shrinking them and opening up these drilling uh, these these areas for drilling and natural resources that make v people very nervous that in doing this they could be damaging rivers and that these d delicate ecosystems where people go and hike and camp through and they're gonna close these down that's the real concern the real concern is that gonna that people are gonna somehow or another we're gonna suffer because so that some companies can profit incredibly off of natural land, of, you know, natural resources right. that are on public land. That's a big fear because that's some shit that is really unusual about this country and some, some shit that Teddy Roosevelt saw way, way in advance. He saw the benefit of doing this, of having these massive national parks. I have a hit Yeah, sure. Uh, but wait, some in those, uh, the, grab one of what those. about positive, I was asking? Because you're saying negative. find a commonality. That's, that's, but that's the number one negative. All this social stuff, I mean, I, mean, I feel like the, the most hilarious thing is that Kim Jong-un actually wants to talk to him. It's like, this guy's so crazy. Maybe, maybe I'll just talk to him. I mean, like... Wait, he wants to talk... Nobody, nobody else wanted to have meetings with that guy, I think right? Wanted, he's wanted to talk to a president for the longest time. and the They would talk to him. Right, because they don't want to give him that like, would, photo opportunity at the very least. That's hilarious. Yeah. They're worried about their Facebook page. <laughs> sure. <laughs> would we witness that if they talked? Fuck yeah, we would witness it. And Trump would tower over him. It would be so creepy. <clears throat> Trump's a big guy. And you see what happens when... Uh, have you ever seen pictures of him with... Um, um, <coughs> Dennis Rodman. Did you ever see pictures of uh, Kim Jong-un? I'm good, dude. Kim Jong-un uh, is a huge basketball fan, apparently, and loves Dennis Rodman. So Dennis Rodman goes to North Korea, parties with oh, him. Oh, right, right, right. Dennis Rodman, like, if Trump was smart, I know Trump hired Omarosa, Trump should definitely hire Dennis Rodman. 
fucking 100%. Like 100%. Say, Dennis Rodman, please, would you be my emissary? Look at that. Look how big Dennis Rodman is. That's a, f a large fellow. And he's not even big compared to, like, a, a really big guy, right? Like LeBron? What yeah, if he's King, pretty big, but what's, he's, yeah. What's his name? But, King, uh, King Jong what? Kim Jong Un. I still can't say. See, it. get a picture of Kim, Kim Jong Un Kim Jong with Dennis Rodman. What if yeah. he wore like? Uh, you think it'd be bad if he wore like foot high platforms? There they are together. But he denied it. Yeah, he probably would. And he had long pants yeah. trying to cover them. Well, he's Korean. Well, he's North Korean. Uh, there's some Korean folks that are pretty big. I'm, I I remember um, when I was a kid, the kid who won the heavyweight uh, national title was named Jimmy Kim. He was a big Korean kid. Big heavyweight kid. It was really good. Six foot five. Yeah, so I don't know how big Kim Jong Un is, but I bet he looks tiny compared to Dennis Rodman. Two foot three. I just looked it up on my phone. Wow, I was quick. <laughs> I think um, it would be a weird meeting, but it might actually be okay. It might be good. This people got a something's got to break over there. Like what they're doing is just insane. The way they keep those people essentially hostage. There's no food. The people that have escaped have had is horrible it, fucking parasites in their body and uh, like. See, uh, I feel bad. I I, I don't know. A couple so, guys escaped um, and got shot at out on the border. Fascinating footage. So you're saying they keep them hostage? Who are you talking about? The people of North Korea. They're essentially held hostage. I mean, they're they're they they're trapped by dear leader. You know what they have to do? Like if when when the dad died. These people were all weeping in the street, and they had to weep, like, outwardly, loudly, as long as they could do it. And if you stopped weeping early, you'd be punished. And people who they felt weren't weeping enough got six months in jail. It's a crazy place, and everyone wow. turns See, on everyone. Everyone rats everyone else out on everything they do. You're supposed to meet together. You go in front of this, these people, and you rat each other out for all the different things you do. Michael Mouse has a great book about it. Is it called Dear Reader? Is that the name of his book? Dear Leader. Dear Leader or Dear Reader? Why do I feel like it's Dear Reader? He's a funny guy, Michael Mouse, but um, See, knows that's, that's, a lot you ever feel about like, North Korea. Do you ever hear something you're like, I should know that? Like, I yeah, should know I that. should know it too. That's one of the well, beautiful you do things about it. this podcast is just being able to talk to someone. Right, right. It is Dear Reader? Yeah. Um, being able to talk to people on this podcast and, you know, get like a little quick three-hour crash course like in what the fuck's going on in North Korea. So Michael was amazing for that. And you know who else oh, was he great was for in that? Here? Henry Rollins was. Henry Rollins went over there as a fucking a tourist. He wandered around over there. That guy's an animal. That guy goes everywhere. And what, he just went over to, uh, what was the, was, Den, was there a purpose? Henry Rollins just picks a spot on the map. You should listen to his podcast he did with Ari Shafir. That's the one that really got me. I mean, I changed my the way I look at Henry. I always, I always liked his music. I always liked his spoken word stuff and his acting stuff. And this is his attitude, just a no bullshit sort of a guy. He's a, got a, a little saying that he put on the back wall of uh, one of the clubs that I worked, one of the theaters that I worked, about the people that work there. You know that the, you know how you're you're the lucky one, so you should you should be very thankful that these people who work way harder than you make way less money than you. And I'm like, that's a guy that's like looking at it the right way. So he takes right. this, he takes a fucking spot, points it down on the map, and he's like, okay, let's try Bahrain. 
and he just fucking travels to Bahrain. You know, he'll go to the middle of Africa, he'll go to Cameroon. He just travels there. He doesn't know anybody there. He buys water when he gets there, brings his fucking camera and some clothes and a laptop. And he takes pictures and then he writes. And he doesn't do any shows or anything. He's a fucking animal, dude. He's crazy. No shows? He doesn't do shows anymore. He doesn't do shows anymore. He does spoken word performances. He doesn't do any music anymore. He says, I'm done. I don't want to do it anymore. And just writes books and just writes a lot of articles, writes articles for like a bunch of different publications. But I mean, he's super prolific and I really enjoy his writing. His writing is, is it's like, it's crisp, it's energetic. It's uh, like, he writes like the way he talks and the way he behaves. Like he appreciates your attention span. You know, he's enthusiastic about what he's talking about and he's got some shit to say, bam. Well, it sounds like something. I, I'm not a good reader, but I could get it on books on tape because just hearing it direct. Mm. Yeah, because I get I, I like when someone speaks to me very specifically. And, yeah, you know, yeah. I get lost very easily. Me too. Um, what did I have to say? Oh, about Rollins. Yeah, he went to North Korea too. He's an animal. The guy went everywhere. Like, how he, long will he go somewhere like that? A couple of weeks. Whatever the fuck he wants. He's Henry Rollins. And he has money, so he yep. can stay in a nice hotel. He can do whatever he wants. There's no nice hotels. There's places where there is no nice hotels. Really? There's no nice hotel. You're not living in the lap of luxury in Cameroon. <laughs> it's, like, <laughs> it's like, you know, you take what they got and, you know, you just hang with the people. You be like the locals, you know, meet some cool people, hang out with them. That's, that's the reality. The guy was just, um, you know, feeling his travel oats and really got into it. And now it's like a... Uh, it's recreation. It's not just recreation, you know. It's it's a recreation, but it's also like a life perspective altering burst that you give right. yourself. You know, you go I mean, to Pakistan, you're wandering through the streets of Karachi in Pakistan. You're like, what? How did I do this? Like, this is crazy. And then he's got to actually survive. He's got to get out of those places. Man, I don't know if I could. I like have so much adm. I mean, I know who he. After you go through something like that, you're. You, you, your spirituality, your spirituality, yeah. your and I that part I admire. But then doing it, I just, I, yeah, I'm just, I don't want to be in like you have to be uncomfortable and hot and oh yeah, oh yeah, you, you know what I mean. You got to be uncomfortable, you for sure. I, I mean, he's gone everywhere, but yeah, I'll you, just watch the documentary. There's something about going to those places, though, right? Oh, of course. Even a few camp? places I've gone. Do you ever I've, go camping? Uh-huh. When was the last time? Um, when I was two. Maybe. No, 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 no. <laughs> about a, a year ago. Did about you? a year ago. Where'd you guys go? Went to, oh, I shot a pilot. <laughs> that sounds so, called Camping with Todd. Oh, really? And we went, we, we shot oh. it up. It was me, Zach Galvanakis, and John Dornetti Pepitone. And oh, pretty, man, that sounds awesome. Close to letting it happen, it happened. You know, it's weird. We didn't end up, we shot the pilot, even a bad pilot, but that's the premise. I really did think, and I don't ever think this. But once in a while, I do. I'll be just be honest with my thought. I'll be like, I think this is going to sell because it's just camping with Todd. It's like right. you're around right. fire. People are comfortable. They talk. Yeah. You have a musical performance. Who was playing the guitar? That was that was John Dor, but he was just being silly. Okay. And um, as long as he's only being silly, and <laughs> I, I'm, I will not tolerate some real live singing by a fire. And then at the end, we did. We had someone come out with like a trumpet and a guitar, <laughs> and they did a real song. Kumbaya, so public domain, and um. 
And then we and then we tried to sell it, and you know, no one was really interested. So it's okay, you know. Then <laughs> do you know what, what is that thing that people do where they like hire someone to play acoustic guitar and sing songs in a restaurant, and they like walk over to a table? Have you ever seen that before? Oh, like a mariachi, or not even a mariachi? Oh, just like, a guy with a guitar. I was at a restaurant the other day, and this woman she had an amazing voice. She was singing that Dolly Parton song, Jolene, mm -hmm. and uh, she like just out of nowhere. Like I went to the bathroom, came back. This lady singing a song like I didn't even have this. What happened here? Wait. Magicians used to do that. Oh, that was the worst, dude. That's the worst. <laughs> Wait, who did that? They would interrupt conversation. Yeah. You'd be in the middle of a conversation. I'd like you to pick a card. What? Oh, whoa! Fuck, man. Come on. I'm not interested. Thank you. <sighs> but if you say thank you, you're the dick. Like I just came here to order food. I don't want to do tricks. Like, even you know. though I love close-up magic mm -hmm. i really do to me it's, yeah. a, it's the only magic there is but yeah if you're in the middle of a conversation yeah I mean, unless you, feel it says, you really do like, feel magic horrible. and meat if that's the name of your place it's magic and meat <laughs> and everybody knows that you're gonna, you're gonna, you're gonna, you're gonna, gonna meet gonna a magician eat, and the magician is gonna come over and come to the table and do his stuff in front of you that is totally cool I'm not against that like knowing but if you're in the middle of a conversation then the magician comes over and all of a sudden wants you to pick a card like come on man Right. We have some shit we have to talk about. Just because we're in a public place doesn't mean you can join in. Like we're supposed to be sitting, we're paying. <laughs> we're paying here. And then Sit you down. can either be a magician or some people would say conversation stopper. Yes. You got to go, what's Talk your, what do you put on your card? Yeah. You know. And then it's not even his fault. Is this the job? That's his job. What is he going to do? Like, that's what they hired him for. Hey, you want to get work for us? Sure, I need a job. Okay, you're going to be a magician. You're going to walk around the tables and do magic in front of people. Okay? It's not his fault. Right. That's why you know? I the restaurant's air. fault. That's why I always err on, even though I was interrupting the conversation, I just, I get it. So I'm pretty polite and I, uh, and try to enjoy it. And it's usually pretty short. But yeah, I'm always wishing. Yeah, we're just into this intense conversation. Yeah. It depends on how high you are, right? If you're high, you let the guy talk. But if you had a cup of coffee, you're like, hey, dude, I can't. <laughs> what if you give him five hundred? If you need, if you own or manage a restaurant, you need a close-up magician. Oh, <laughs> you need. That's, and it's all capitals. Listen, it's, it's only capitals. happened to me twice ever, and it wasn't the worst thing in the world. It's. I just feel like, <laughs> unless it's in the name of your restaurant, you probably shouldn't do that. It's not like something that happens a lot. It's you know, there's a magician listening. About. I like magicians. I love working at the Comedy Magic Club. I used to, back in the day before I used to book my own show there, when I would do a show, uh, I would work with a magician always. It was always like one comic, a magician, and then maybe one other comic. I think that's how they did it. They do it a bunch of different oh, ways. Oh, yeah, that, in Hermosa Beach. Yeah, that place is amazing. That place is amazing. That, that place is also like a museum of comedy. Inside with all the, they have like Popeye's outfit that Robin Williams wore. It's framed on the wall. And those signatures in that wall mm -hmm. in the green room. It yeah. just cra it's a crazy it is. array of signatures on a wall from the last 35 years or 40 maybe. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's crazy. He's been, it's a long time to be somewhere. Mm -hmm. And that's, be such a nice guy too. It's, um, I think that's the second oldest comedy club in the world right now. I think the Ice House is number one and Comedy Magic is like just slightly younger. In terms the, of a club, and then where do you where do you go after that? The Comedy Works in Denver, pretty close. For for olders, the how old is the Comedy Works in Denver? It can only be like twenty three years old or something. Well, I thought it was like thirty. Is it? You might be right. Yeah, didn't Roseanne start there? Maybe Roseanne started there in Detroit. Uh, the uh, it's the his name is in the title, mm, but still we're in the eighties, right? 
I mean, there used to be some places. The Ice House is from the 60s. The Ice oh, House yeah. started. Oh, no, no. I'm sorry. I didn't mean older. I just meant where, next on the list, where do you go to? Yeah, these places are not. Yeah, been, but yeah. I mean, there's like a there's a few of the old, old, old places that are still around. Those are like historical places. Like uh, the Comedy Store is the most historical. But there's a lot of historical places. Helium's historical now, because how long has Helium been around for? 13 years. Yeah, that's a spot where universally people talk about that place. Yeah. I, I feel like Acme, uh, uh, the Acme in uh, Minneapolis is... Laughing Skull in Atlanta. That place is off I, the charts. Intimate, 90 yeah. people maybe. Have you done it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fuck. The curtain that goes. Amazing. You know, that's a good example of a room. You're going down a hallway, you're at a restaurant. Picture everybody, everyone has to go to a club for the first time. You go, it's in the back of a restaurant. You go down a hallway. Then all of a sudden, even though it's a simple room, there's a, there's a sound booth, there's lights, the curtain shuts, right. the lights go down. And then when, the, I think every second you're in a club like that where they have production, you're like, oh, this is something. You know, like the audience that might not know what to expect. Now they know it's going to be good sometimes, even before the show starts, just the way the mm. place conducts itself. And then the house lights go out. It's like a big deal. So I love uh, that. That room is great spot. I have a lot of fun in that room. It's another one of those really intimate places. I don't even think that's 100 people, right? 80, 80 people. Is that what it is? Mm -hmm. Amazing. Yeah, those spots, man. I count it. I have a clicker because I'm on a door. Deal. Oh, you want those guys? No, no, I don't. One of those guys. No, I'm didn't that happen? One, someone did that, like on stage, made everybody call out a number at a club somewhere. Oh, because probably to see, like, if there was more than they said. Exactly. He was working on some sort of a, a door deal, and he thought there was more people in the room than the club owner told him. So he had the audience individually count out the, a number. <laughs> what? Like, we're going to start from this table over here. We're going to move to the left. Oh. Just, you're number one. Ready, sir? Go. Number one, two, three, four, five, six. And people would just, I can't wait to say my number. <laughs> They'd just be sitting there, 36. <laughs> that proves that people just, some people want to yell out. That was fun for them. No one, yeah. How many people were going, oh, right, we don't need to do this. They do, but I think it was like a 350-seat room. Wow. Yeah. So Maybe I think, you didn't have the material. <laughs> maybe. It's totally possible. Totally possible, but whatever it is, that's how he found out. <laughs> <laughs> he went through the whole room, and he got past the number that this guy said there were, and then there was like still 50 more fucking people. I wonder if that's true. You oh, might, I that, think it's true. I do. think it's true. I think that's the wait staff is what told me about it, and I think they were very enthusiastic with their descriptions. <laughs> oh, wow. So you think he caught them like a club owner trying to hide how many? Could be. The good clubs that have been around forever, overwhelmingly, I've had almost perfect experiences like, like the clubs that they're all pretty decent so yeah. i forget sometimes what some of the shystier ones yeah because you hear stories about people on the road like manipulating the money and stuff but you I do mean, hear that. that that can happen with some clubs i think some club owners develop a very animostic animosity what, what's a, is that word animostic that's not even a word it isn't I know what you're going to say, though. Right when it came out of my mouth, right yeah. as it was going out, I was like, is that a real word? A Animosity. Yeah, I don't think you can use that as an adjective. No, you can't. <laughs> exactly. Towards comedy. Um, but they, they develop this animosity between each other. The club owners don't want to book you. You get mad at the club owners. Then when you make it, you're like, fuck that guy. I want more money. Tell him, fuck him. You know, and you, there's this weird thing that happens. Like, they knew you when you sucked. And then, you know, like, as you're coming up, 
there's, you know, they don't want to pay you more. And you're like, but I make more now. I'm a headliner. And you get into this weird sort of thing with each other. You know, I think that that, that poisons the well for a lot of like comedian club owner relationships. But we need them so bad. Like you and I are not opening up a comedy club. It's not going to happen. Right. We need the improv. We need these clubs. You need the ha ha in North Hollywood. We need them like they like we all have to work together. Like it's, it should be we should all figure out a way to be nice to each other. Like we need each other. Yeah. We're not going to do that. Well, that's why I try, and I, I not only do I try, I do it to as much as I complain about when they do it wrong. I always spend twice as much time uh, giving clubs that do it great a yeah, shout outs and, and throwing love their way. There's They're a so lot to do important. it right. They're yeah. so important. They're and so you know important. what? When I go to a, <laughs> what happened? I thought the mic was coming at me. When <laughs> I go to a spray. place like the in a, starting to hit. Oh, wow. Jamie, how dare you? When I go to a place. <laughs> That's the first. <laughs> Like like Portland, uh, the helium in Portland, Philadelphia, but where there's a manager or and uh, they run the place. Look, I know they're stressed out, but they're good at hiding it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're professional. Always, and I thought yeah. I couldn't do that. I'd be frantic, but right. always like, hey, sorry, no, yeah. how you? Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, I try to, I try to go, wow, that that you know, give a club like that, uh, you know, I when that exists, I go, I don't even know how they do it. Like, it's so good. I don't know if I could do it right. like that. Uh, and then this guy's like, do you remember Tom Sawyer from San Francisco? I know I know of him, yeah. You never worked for him? I don't think so. Really? You never worked at the old Cobbs? No. Of little Cobbs? I once. Did you work at Big Cobbs? No. I, I had opened up for, I did some shows there like through, uh, you know, like a, a festival, but mm -hmm. never through the club. Yeah. Well, we, I just, I don't, I don't want to beat on it too much. We're just so fucking lucky that we have places to do it. You know, it's just a weird relationship that comics and when and it gets, I know when it gets volatile. Yeah, just, yeah, because both part both parties have uh, some work to do. It's really yeah. if they were in therapy, you both got some things yeah. you can fix. And uh, as long as because it is true, it's like I'm I'm not unaware of what you're saying because it's there's comedians for every club owner that uh, maybe rips somebody off, which of course they exist. There's also that sure. comedian that thinks everybody's ripping them off and nobody is. Right. There's both. So there's both. both. Yeah. Well, it's just. That when you're not getting booked, it, it's really easy to develop that sort of animosity between you and a club. There's yeah. just, if you're not, you can't work and you think that other guys are, are not as good as you and they're getting work, and you get frustrated and you're young and dumb already, you know, you can have that sort of weird, complicated relationship. It's just one of those weird things. The club owners and artists have always, there's always been disputes, right? I mean, way well, back into the day where they... That dude jumped off the fucking roof of the hotel next to the comedy store. Oh, yeah, that was... That was out of a protest between the comedians uh, protesting against the club, right? They walked out. There was a strike. There was an L.A. comedy strike because no one was getting any money. And these clubs were smashing it, and we weren't getting any of the money. Like, there's always been that. And that still goes on today. Like UCB. UCB doesn't pay people. They don't have to. <laughs> They're doing great. I mean, until someone forces them, they can keep doing whatever the fuck they want to do. There, there is, there's also the, there, there's, there's some good blood out there, too. Sure. But, yeah, they, you know, with There's a clubs. lot of good little communities, too, where guys put together a comedy night somewhere. You know, yeah, just, so, and some do a great job yeah. at that. I'm always in, always in awe of that. When, so when you go to a comedy night and someone did it, you're like, yeah. You know, they took a one, you know, a bar and made it a, you know, just every little thing is right. Sure. Some people get, some people really know how to produce a show. Yeah, for and, sure. Uh, it's always fun to walk into that. And they just find a good spot, too. 
there was a good spot that I worked at only once, and it was in Encino. It was really weird. It was, I'm telling you, I mean, it was a five-minute walk from my house. It's when I lived in Encino. I lived off of White Oak, and I could just walk down there and go to this weird comedy club. I never worked there. The entire time I lived there, I never worked there. I, went, I did one set there, and I was like, what is this place? This what, place is weird. What club? I don't remember the oh, name oh. of it, but it was a bar in the front, and you'd go past the bar to this back room, and it was like all people that I had never seen do stand-up. I'd never seen them at the store, never saw them at the Laugh Factory, never saw them at the Improv. It seemed like they had either just started or they were crazy. It was, maybe it was the, the night that I was there, but I was like, this place is nuts. And how long ago is this? More than 20 years. Hmm. Yeah. This is like 95, I think. Yeah. It was weird. It's a weird little comedy club. Like there's this whole uh, another world. Yeah, there's worlds out there, man. There's like, and if you go like into Orange County and into San Diego, San Diego's got its own fucking scene. Right, right. You know? See, uh, Sa Santa Barbara had like, oh, yeah. this. Yeah. This, uh... Santa Barbara. Yeah. All these different places. Santa Barbara, I don't think, has that comedy club anymore. I heard that comment. Is it? See if Santa Barbara has a comedy. That club. thing once a month they they do. I, I did it, it about. It might have been like six months ago. San Francisco has a scene. They got a scene. Seattle's got a scene. You know, there's some scenes out there. There's some comedy scenes. It's just like how many of them are like really thriving. It takes a lot of club owners, man. That's the thing. Is what I'm saying to these people that don't get along so good with club owners. If they're not doing it, we're not gonna. Comedy Hideaway in Santa Barbara it says closed. Right now, hours is it? Does it mean closed forever? No, it's oh. <laughs> one p.m. on Wednesday. Okay. Oh, he'll do random shows like one p.m. and different. He still does. They, right he still has shows. It's just always under Comedy Hideaway, and that's where you find out. Oh, he's mm. doing it there. He's doing it there. Oh, okay. Oh no. Oh, I get it. So it's a hideaway. So it's like a gig. Like oh, he goes to different spots. Oh, okay. So well, sometimes he'll be in the same spot for the weekend. Sometimes it bounces around. Oh, uh, okay. okay. I know. I'm his manager. <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling the kid. He's got to be more specific with his social yeah. media marketing. Come on. Yeah. I don't know, man. It's like that. But what makes a scene is a club owner. Like Wendy. Wendy from the Comedy Works in Denver. She makes the scene. That's the club owner. She's the one who puts her finances at risk. She's the one who manages it. She runs two clubs. And in those two clubs that she ran she runs currently she created the denver scene mitzi created the la scene at the store i mean mitzi's guidance her like her what she tolerated what she enforced and what she preferred and what who she gave enthusiasm to she she like you shaped she shaped so many comics man you know so there's a few of those club owners that are like super super special like really really important people they they just they create an environment where shit pops out of i know I, th I say it's the closest thing like presenting knowing how to present something especially when it's comedy i'm in awe of whenever somebody you know do you ever think you would do that i mean you've designed them do you ever think you would i don't think i'd want to own a club because i get it comedians work. can be a nightmare. hard to deal with some of them are just crazy yeah some of them you just you just can't you just can't you can't do it i get it or I bet. Well, you know what? You know what? Uh, the other reason I I was close once, maybe, but, but uh, because let's say there's somebody I like as a comedian, but maybe they trash a hotel. I don't need to know that, and right. then be mad at them. Oh, what happened? How come you don't talk to blah 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 anymore? Because I make my club in Philadelphia real nice, and then he went in and he 
You know, they tore the curtain down, and I don't want to not like him for that. So let me not own a club and deal with anybody I know on a business level. That's a good point. That's a very good point. People do it, and it's hard, but they'd empathize with what I'm saying more than anything. So it also says we're not delusional when we complain about clubs because it says, yeah, we get it. There's some – there's some – when they when they do it right, there's some comedians that shit on it. They ruin a condo that they're trying to make nice. I get it. But overwhelmingly, it's probably – no, it's played. Trying to be fair. No, you're you are trying to be fair. There's just a certain amount of people that are nuts. They're gonna fuck places up. They're gonna ruin right. things. They don't or give a shit. Or a club or whatever they do. Ruin the relationship that the club has with some other business. You know, it's just you know, comedians are crazy. I they, uh, here's me on the phone. What? <laughs> he shit. Well, for what? <laughs> and that's not even normal. <laughs> that's not even normal. Is a good one. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, I know he's crazy. And then somebody that I, well, he, you know, he said he wanted to pay for the steam cleaning. Well, I don't know. We'll get new carpet. <laughs> yeah, it's diarrhea, man. He what said you- spray diarrhea before. I love it. You know why? Because that's, to me, if you're saying the wrong thing. That's what it sounds like. Just you're shitting diarrhea all over everybody. <sighs> just the, and the, but in the, that's not even your fault with a lot of people. A lot of people, it's like they don't probably realize what they're doing they're doing it and they think they're right but they're just looking at it from their own personal selfish perspective because they're excited about what they're saying and because they're engaged in a contest it's not just that they're talking about stuff they're engaged in a contest they're trying to win that's where the diarrhea comes out they're just throwing it at you and getting in your face it's like ugh, this is this a contest and they'll suck you in (laughs) suck you into it see that's what I think one of the big things is wrong with people today and, and it's been wrong of me in the past you get into these conflicts for no fucking reason it's not worth it there's no fun in that it's stupid if you want to get in conflicts you should be doing difficult shit with your life there's a lot of different difficult things to do don't like get in arguments with people over have you nonsense. done it in the past ever for arguments with people over nothing yeah for sure fuck yous in the car window you know no, right. fuck you, fuck you. You feel like such a loser after you get out of there. Like, what did I even say? Ugh. Yeah, we've all done that. Somebody cuts you off or someone's on their phone, they almost slam into you and you freak out and they, they give you the bird and you're like, fuck you. And yeah, for sure. And now almost zero? Almost zero. Almost zero. Most of the time I'm pretty cool. I just put up, it's a matter of always thinking about it. It's a matter of always recognizing like these are just stupid impulses. Don't just follow any childish impulse like some 13-year-old who's got his first boner. Like, use your fucking brain. Don't yell. Just use your brain. I always still, I just, more than anything, because it's usually not even involving me when I still witness the, the finger out the window. Fuck you. Yeah. I always go, oh. who, from a calm place, oh. who are you? And yeah. you know what? I've seen it, a civil person that probably is about to sit down at a restaurant, and a, probably a relatively nice guy, but that's a, if you're 40 years old or 20 or whatever age, the younger, the more understandable. But when you see, let's go with a 40-year-old putting his finger out the way, fuck, I go, who are you? Where are you going? How can you be at the most value to your children's lives if that's the way you express yourself? Don't tell me, oh, I'll do that, but I'm a good... No, that's got to leak into everything you do. You're putting your hand out the window, uh, 40... Fuck you! I'm like, who the... What? Who are you? Who are you? You should treat everybody in the other car as if they're a giant, friendly linebacker. Like, don't ever say, I'll fuck you up. 
Don't ever say I'll kick your ass. Treat them with like some have a little bit of fear of them. Don't want to be mad at you. Lay back. That's how you should treat everybody. If we all just did that, we'd all get along great. You know, you don't look at some giant ass. I go, I go to this gym. These NFL players go there. And it's hilarious, man. I, I'm like, excuse me, pardon me. I'm like ducking under dudes' elbows and shit, trying to get to the weight stacks. They're enormous people. I mean, some of these guys are like six foot four, three hundred plus pounds, just enormous, enormous fucking people. Just show a little. Have a little respect. If those guys were in cars all around you, you wouldn't be yelling, fuck you, pull over, pull over, pussy, pull over. You wouldn't do that because these, these guys will smash you. They're not even the same thing as you. That, you know? The reason that it makes me laugh, that behavior, is because it's not always a maniac in real life, but they should see their behavior right. as maniac-like. Because yeah. it is. It's like... Do you know where no, it comes I'll, from? What? Do you know where it comes from? Just not being able to express yourself? No, no. When you're in a car, you're worried. You're, 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 your senses are ramped up. Like, if, you're, if 10 is, like, full awareness, you're at, like, 6 or 7, where in normal life, you're, like, at 1. Like, you're already, like, kind of wrapped up because everything's moving fast around you. And trying to stay calm, and someone's doing something or trying to get in your lane. Oh, you fucking piece of shit! <laughs> you're ramped up already. Right. Yeah. That's why when you're late, you know, when you're late for something, even me, and I'm a pretty civil place, civil person, and I try to stop it. But if I'm super late and nervous, I will say to the pe person doing the most mundane thing, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> Exactly. Exactly. Go. Now, I don't, at least I never. Go, pussy. Go. I will go. say this. Go into traffic. <laughs> Zero <laughs> out the window. Zero. That's good. I'm Beautiful. talking about this is in the kit. But even in yeah. the contents of your own car, you have to be, yeah. you should be proud of your behavior. But at least I know well enough when I'm doing that, that's got to be for me. And I should work on that too. I had a dude scream at me and take his shirt off to show me his <laughs> tattoos. Oh, that's just sad. And then, and then he called me a rich piece of shit. I was not rich at the time, <laughs> but I did have a white suburban, and I guess white suburban made you think. I mean, I wasn't famous at the time. He didn't know who the fuck I was, but I don't remember what it was about. But I remember the dude took his shirt off to show me his tattoos, and I started pointing at him, laughing. I'm like, ah! I go, did you take your shirt off to show me your tattoos, to, so that I'll think you're a tough guy? Is that what you just did? I'm like, that is hilarious. And so I'm yelling this at him, and he, he's getting more and more red in the face. And I go, that's hilarious. You took, he goes, I'll fucking kick your fucking ass, you fucking faggot, you rich piece of shit. I'm like, rich piece of shit. Wow. Bye. And I just, I just drove. At least I was thinking, at least I'm driving this big ass truck. If like he slams into me, he's going to get fucked up. Like yeah, this no, thing's huge. Nobody thinks to is ever ready for like the, the, to be called out because he knows why I took his shirt. He's off. so stupid. He thought I'd be scared of him because he's got tattoos everywhere. Meanwhile, as soon as he took his shirt off, I was convinced I could fuck him up. I was like, "This dude doesn't work out. There's no way he knows anything. <laughs> There's no way." On. I mean, he was just like a guy. You know, he wasn't like a, a scary guy, but he had tattoos everywhere, like all over his neck and shit, and they weren't even good. I like tattoos. <laughs> it was just such a stupid thing. But I mean, I bet if I knew that guy in real life and we were just together in a fucking office building and like he worked in one office and I worked in another, I'd be like, what's up, man? What's going on? Everything cool? Right. We've been friendly as shit. It's right. just this weird thing when you're on the highway and everybody's ramped up. Everybody's nervous. You don't even realize you're nervous. Even if you're calm and you're good, you're always ready to do this. You're always ready. Somebody's not, uh, oh, she's hit the brakes. Oh, look at that. It's a fucking thing in the road. Oh, shit. You're always ready for that. You, you know have what? to be ready for that. That's why 
when I go to my house to Silver Lake, uh, some people want to get on the highway, and I go, I don't know, I, I don't want to get on the highway. I, first of all, it always ends up being about the same time, but even if it's five minutes longer, on surface streets, on a highway, I'm, I, I feel like I'm getting too out there in this highway world. I just want to go somewhere where I'm not on the highway. Right. Do you know what I mean? Yes, because I on, on, the, on yeah. the side road, I can handle it. Right. But on the, on the highway, I just get stressed out a little more. So I'm like, I'll say, if it's 10 minutes longer, I don't care. Yeah, there's not a bad idea. It's not a bad idea. It's chilling. It's more relaxed. It's chill. You, I'll take stopping, Pico. Slow down. Stop. No one's driving that fast. Yeah. I'll take Pico from Center City to my house. Yeah. I like <laughs> going over Laurel. Hour. I like going over Laurel Canyon. You know, when you go into Hollywood, it's like it's more chill. It's kind of cool. Get that cool drive down, that winding road down. That yeah. winding road down is excellent, man. It reminds was, you you're in L.A. Yeah, and I always think of like these bad motherfuckers that live right there on the road. Like, well, who do you have to be to be so confident in people that you buy a house right there on Laurel Canyon around one of those corners where someone could easily miscalculate and slam right into your car and slam into your house? You know those streets? Like, Laurel yeah, in particular is like, there's a lot of, like, uh, jockeying for position in, on Laurel. I saw a guy the other day take a chance move and dump into the left lane to oncoming traffic to pass a guy on Laurel. And I was like, whoa. That is a that is a like you're committing to being a cocksucker. Like you're going down this this you there's no way you know if someone's coming. You don't have enough time. And if they're coming up the hill, like you're coming down the hill, the same kind of assholishness, we got a real problem here. Like you're going into the left lane. That's but that it's right next to your house. What? <laughs> These people's their houses are right there, man. Like you could like reach out and smack their mailman in the ass as you're <laughs> driving by. It's crazy. I always think that like on the highway when there's an apartment building so close to the highway that you could forget something and go, honey, I'm pulling around in the overpass. Come over to the window and throw me my <laughs> shoes. Like an episode <laughs> of The Honeymooners or some shit, right? Yeah. Catch! <laughs> yeah. They have a string maybe they run from the... I don't know. Whenever I look at a science fiction movie about like the future, like uh, District 9. Remember District 9? Great fucking movie, man. Um, but one of the things about these like super uber congested cities You look at them and you go, okay, is that coming? Is that like gonna be everywhere? Are we gonna be really living in this sort of weird dystopian future? I mean New York City is in the perfect spot, right? Because it's not quite dystopian, but it's definitely exceptional like those views that you get like a buddy of mine had an apartment in Brooklyn on the water facing the city which I think is even I don't know if it's better than being in the city, but it's pretty fucking stunning. And I just yeah. was in his living room going, holy shit, man, this is crazy. Like, this view is crazy. It's beautiful, like stunning. But it, if that keeps going, right, then it becomes this monolithic, huge favela, like, you know, some crazy, like, completely stuffed with people and chickens and dogs running around. And I mean, like, the, all these future dystopia movies, they're all, everything's all, it's not like everything's amazing in the future. We have these huge, super populated cities and everything's perfect. No, it's all like way more crime, way more craziness. Oh. <laughs> Stressed <laughs> Well, it's just thinking. I think people are improving, and you think people are improving. Yeah. We both do. We think life's improving. Wait, people does that mean you're, you're kidding? No, no, no. It I'm, could be. But I'm saying <laughs> there, there is a problem with the numbers, the actual raw numbers of us. Like, if you go back just a few decades, the amount of people was like 5 billion less. 
I mean, it's not that long. I mean, if you, I think you go back to like the 80s. What, what is, well, we've done this before, and I know. I've, I always forget, and I probably should remember. But what was world population in 1985? That's when I got out of high school. I want to say it was less than 3 billion. That's what I want to say. No, I'm wrong. 5 billion? A little less. A little less than 5 billion? Okay. I feel a little bit better. Anyway, during that time, from 1985 to 2018, it's now, is it 7 billion or has it hit 8? Because the world population was real close to 8. Seven? Fuck, man. That's a lot of people. But you that's, know what? That's gaining more than two billion people in just a few decades. So you keep doing that. You do that a few decades more. Does it accelerate? You must, because there's two billion more people having people. So it's got to accelerate exponentially. But every problem you list, I feel like I connect it right back to old people. Like the population... We just live in a society that, oh, right. we have kids, have kids. No one goes, hey, well, learn about yourself. And when you really know what your patients are, right. then if you start, you'll see at a certain time, you might be, no, no one, it's just that type of, you have to have kids. Yeah. Okay. That's older people, you know, that, that put that thought out there. The energy problem, if like kids were, if we were just letting kids lead, we'd have electric cars already. You know, they, like they, they already had that information back then and we just the real problem with electric cars is the batteries. Well, I mean, and even that's, like they're, they're oh, still, that's true. But what about that out. what about just um? I, 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 I mean, I, Elon I, Musk is pretty much at the top of the heap when it comes to figuring out electric car technology. I don't think there's anybody that's ever had it nailed down like him before. I mean, there's a few different car companies that make really good electric cars. Fisker makes a really good one, but it's the the technology so, is so, reliant I mean, even upon those batteries. Like this is like this is not something we could have had 30 years ago. And, and well, what about solar power? Solar like power is absolutely viable, and especially in California. California, where it's never raining. I mean, it's been raining right. out here for a few days, and everybody's like, it's amazing. It's like we're living in Seattle. You know, everything's all green and shit, but it's yeah. sunny most of the time, and we could just be collecting energy for that. This, right. There's political issues with that. There's like, you know, you'd have to get the infrastructure ready. You'd have to, you could sell back to the grid. There's that. You know, yeah. people do do that. There's a lot of like difficulty though apparently uh brian callen went through that when he got his house solar powered and he said is it really a lot of red tape and he goes and it seems like they're trying to discourage you from doing it and make it difficult for you to do it for you to switch over to electric they because he had his installed and hooked up for months before it uh it got switched on with the grid it was like a real issue and then even more so i think if you want to go off grid so you can use solar power and have no connection to the grid that's that's a slippery slope and in some places I don't know if you can do that I think some places might actually prevent you from doing that which is re really weird they can prevent you like, you will only use our logs right. no one else's logs should be in your earth <laughs> our logs <laughs> basically that's what they're saying right well, it's, yeah that just that is what they're saying because that's not the tone they say with. you that's can't their say words. hey man I don't need your power anymore but thanks no you will be on our grid well, how do you think they would sell that? Like, just pull up, just guessing. Like, how do they make know. that make sense? They would have to say, have some regulations. Like, we don't know shit about your solar. We don't, we don't know if it's dangerous. We don't know what you're up to. So, I mean, they can Whoa. sell it in any way they want if they're doing it in order to save their constituents money or in, to, you know, uh, do the bidding of whatever special interest group is lobbying for them to do it. I mean, they, that's why they do those things. They don't do those things because they make sense. You know, they don't do, do those things because they're logical. Hey, don't, don't get that free power. 
know? <laughs> <laughs> Let me make it confusing to get that free power, make it real hard for you to turn on. I just yeah. got to stretch it out a few months. So you got to keep paying me for a few months. Yeah. If they can just do that with a million customers, you have three million more months of billable hours if they wanted to do it that way. If they just made it a policy to act slower. I don't know how it works, man. I mean, it, but. I know how money works. I bet there's truth to what you're saying. It has to be. There's so much money involved. And they don't make power companies because they're altruistic, beautiful people who want everybody to watch TV. What? They do because they want that cash, baby. You know, that's why they're going to drill holes right next to the river. Come on. That's where all the good stuff is. <laughs> fuck the salmon. They're just going to get in there and just start drilling. They don't give a fuck, man. People who, are just, who just want money don't give a fuck. This is what's the problem with guys like Trump. This is what the problem with the guys like he brings in. There's so many, the, like the number one thing is not making money. The number one thing is sustainability. That's the number one thing, living off the earth. That's the number one thing. It's can we live off this earth? Okay, good. Number two thing, we gotta be safe. Okay, how can we be safe? Well, first of all, we need, we need to be able to talk. So freedom of speech is hugely fucking important when it comes to being safe. You need to be able to say things without fear of repercussion. You need to be able to communicate 100% honestly amongst each other so we can figure out how you really feel. Tell me how you really feel about this, then I can understand you. I, I don't really understand you yet because you're hiding how you really feel about, part, about life, right. parts of life. That's where freedom of speech is so goddamn important, just one aspect of it being important. Being able to protest about stuff, all that shit. Do you have to pee? Is that what you wrote down? No, no. <laughs> <laughs> Who just did that? Somebody just did that the other day and handed me a note. I have to pee. How long have we gone? Pat Miletic, maybe. Oh, it was Pat Miletic, yeah. Uh, it's 1.30. What did we start at? Like 11.15? So you do the math. I'm too stupid for that. Yeah, I'm already. already. <laughs> it's it just me too. I that's two that's what we were talking three. about. That's why you eat the food that you shouldn't be eating. Same reason. The fu you got that fuck it gene. Oh, fuck it. After midnight, it's just Yeah, it's hard. Bad. Oh, I do it sometimes. I came home the other day from the ice house Saturday night, and I cooked a steak at 1 in the morning. I got the <sighs> cast iron skillet out, and I put some butter down, and tsh I had steak and kimchi while I watched TV at 1 o'clock in the morning, or whatever and, the fuck it was. And it was delicious, right? It was right? amazing. It was amazing. Now, can you, can you, I'm lucky that I, I... The reason I want to stop is not because I have an get sick i really have an iron stomach if there's such that's a thing. good but it's just i you know it still makes me feel a little bit like i don't get sick but i you feel a little heavy in the morning dude i took two whole days yesterday and the day before where i ate bullshit yesterday i ate egg rolls the day before i had a big bowl of pasta and i had a cupcake i just decided fuck it it's sunday or Monday, whatever it was, Sunday and Monday. Let's just have some fun. So for two days, I just ate whatever the fuck I wanted. I just decided I want to do that. I had the worst farts of my <laughs> career. I mean, of my career oh, of, like... of farting. <laughs> these, <laughs> these, were the, these were the bombs to end all bombs. My body's just not designed to do that anymore. It just doesn't want to do that anymore because I've been eating so clean, so regularly, that just a couple of days of pasta and bullshit and egg rolls and my body was like fuck you i felt lethargic i was like i, I just want to sit down all the time my workout sucked it was hard to push myself i was like wow like this is not good like eating bullshit just this is what most people are doing most people are doing all day they're eating candy bars and bullshit Me. and they're not getting any nutrients you i mean i you I, eat candy bars 
Well, here's what I mean. I'll, I'll uh, I eat very bad. Oh, why? You should eat good. I know. You're a smart guy. I know. Why don't you uh, Why don't you approach it like you're taking in the artwork of these people who cook food for you, or learn how to cook yourself? I here's the problem. Oh, <laughs> is that I uh, during the day I eat great. Right. I juice every day, like oh. kale, carrots, celery, ginger, beets, every single day. Oh, so you don't eat terrible. at a healthy. Well, no, that's just because my only thing I could do to say. Okay, while I have this shitty diet, I can at least say to my body, I, I, like I think of myself too. as my body going, thank you for giving us some good stuff. We yeah. wish you wouldn't eat that other shit, but thanks for something. That's so every day I juice. But then no, it gets bad late at night. I mean, if right. it's... But that's uh, good, though. So you're not all bad. You have a lot of good habits. Like, you're very aware that you need nutrients. When you do do that stuff and juice, one of the things that they say, um, we should probably look this up right now because I'm obviously not a nutrition expert, but I'm pretty much sure they say that vitamins are absorbed better um, when you have them with some healthy fat. So I think they recommend coconut oil. If you have some coconut oil with uh, vegetables, when you drink vegetable juice, it actually can enhance the absorption of some of the wow, vitamins. Wow, that's good to know. Yeah, so some people mix it in or mix MCT oil, medium-chain triglyceride oil. Uh, Fat-soluble vitamins. You won't get enough vitamin D from drinking vegetable juice. It's found mainly in fatty cheese, fatty fish, cheese, mushrooms, egg yolks, beef, liver, and fortified foods. You need vitamin D. That's a, yeah, I, that's different. They're saying this. That's They're just saying that. Uh, vitamin D is very difficult to get if you're yeah. vegan. That's all uh, that's I, saying. I do eat food too, but I like some. The thing is, like, I, I at night I'm so hungry, so it's like I'll go to the Vaughns. I'll be like, well, listen, I'm going to want candy no matter what. Right. And I had dinner at like five thirty. This is like now at nine, so I don't really need dinner. I eat dinner, so I go. Well, I, I, if I'm going to get dinner, I'm going to want candy, a second dinner, whatever you want to call a it. Second like dinner, nine o'clock treat. So. I go. I know this is b bad, but the last like few weeks, I'll be there and I'll be like, you know what? I I'm gonna eat. I'm gonna want candy. I'll just get candy, and then I'm proud of myself because <laughs> I did. Like you didn't need food and candy. Get food or candy. And when I get candy, I get candy. It's like, not what like kind? A you getting like a jumbo Snickers bar. What are you doing? I told someone that, that helps out at the podcast when they're at the Vons to get me a candy bar. They brought me back a candy bar. A little. I'm like, are you shit? What Re kind? What? Oh, Reese's cups. You? I said, I oh. go, get some Reese's cups. They brought back two Reese's cups in a pack. Oh, little go, ones? I, yeah, I go, when I say Reese's Cups, I mean a bag of... <laughs> like, I had this fantasy. Now the fantasy that I had of eating Reese's Cups nonstop for five, ten minutes is I now love, go, go, love, gone. Love, love Reese's Cups. Do you like the, the uh, double... Uh, the big ones. The, 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 yeah, the, the, the extra... Yeah, the, the big, thick ones. And I like to have them with ice cream. Oh, it's, I've done that many times. All kinds of ice cream. Chocolate ice cream. Fuck it. I'll, I'll have it with strawberry. I don't give a shit. You know, I know. What would we say crazy, no to? Bro. I'm crazy. I know what I would rather have, but you take a double Reese's cup, put it in the microwave for literally 10 seconds, and then get the vanilla ice cream and just smash it on top. It's absurd. Absurd. There's something about ice cream and some cakes, like a warm apple pie with vanilla ice cream. Woo! Holy shit. Chocolate cake with uh, with vanilla ice cream. Oh, my goodness. A good warm chocolate cake and vanilla ice cream. Oh. oh, apple pie, though, with cinnamon and vanilla ice cream. Holy shit, Todd Glass. Holy shit. Holy shit, that's good. The French French apple pie with vanilla ice cream. Because you uh, get the apple pie is American, motherfucker. I don't know where you get this French shit from. <laughs> <laughs> Here's what McDonald's should do. Do they even have apples in France? Speaking of apple pie, 
McDonald's should do this. Take a glass, a clear glass that you can see, right? Right. They picture the commercial. They'll shoot it right. Then put the apple pie in there. Apple pie in a glass. And then fill it with vanilla ice cream and put some Ooh. caramel sauce and go, call it their apple pie a la mode. Ooh. And it, put a spoon and you get the apple pie, the vanilla ice cream, a little bit, little bit of sauce at the top, too. You it's, shouldn't well, be telling them this on the show. You should go to them with a proposal. The Todd Glass apple pie it's a, great a la idea. mode. And they have all the yeah. stuff there to need it. All you they could need. be their spokesperson in the commercial. This is my idea. I, I, I think would. it's amazing. <laughs> just do it that way. Look, look, look. You get the pie. Look on the side. There's the apple pie and the ice cream and you some caramel sauce on the top. Caramel sauce, dig in. It's I apple it pie a la mode. That's a great idea. I'm it not is a good idea. Especially if you could figure out how to nuke only the apple pie. Well, they could. So they have to put it together. No, the apple pie is already it. hot. It's in there. So they it's drop in, it in. They drop and then it in. Drop hot. the ice cream on drop top. Drop the ice cream on top. That's genius. It takes a couple seconds to make, right? You don't just grab it. You got to drop one in there. It's so very it's, easy to make. Yeah. Bang, bang. It's there. There. Yeah. Right. That's a great idea. I know. That's a really good. That's the best idea I've ever heard on this podcast. Thank you. Oh, they have it. This isn't McDonald's. I used to no, work at a restaurant don't. that uh, made this exact dessert the way you're describing it. In, in a glass? Or, yeah, in the exact order. Well, I'm not saying the idea is <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, I know, but. I'm saying it's that they have all the ingredients to do it. They have those glasses. They have right. apple pie. Well, they should just serve it because I bet it would be a big seller. Those apple pies are not bad either. Those, those McDonald's apple pies, oh, yeah. when you want one, mm -hmm. those are not bad. <laughs> no. What's that? Two for a dollar. Is that what they are? Yeah. Wow, that's pretty good. Here's my bad, uh, I call it junk. It's junk. It's food, junk food, but it's junk food, yeah. but not candy. Junk food. Right. So I like to get the biggest McDonald's hamburger there is. Like Ooh. Whatever it is that I can get on the menu. I look, okay, can I get that with nothing on it? Just a plain burger, no cheese, no nothing. Okay. Then I get an Egg McMuffin. You can either do two things. One, you could take all the ingredients off the Egg McMuffin and put it in the hamburger. So you have mm. a hamburger with an egg, a piece of ham, a piece mm. of... It's so good. Or take the hamburger, put it, and let the Egg McMuffin be the bread. But it's pretty good. That sounds pretty goddamn good. That sounds like you're doing, you're doing God's work. You're figuring <laughs> out some stuff that they can't figure out. They figured out some impressive things. They figured out how to make a fucking juicy, delicious pancake that's the top of, uh, of a McMuffin. Those McGriddles, that is my all, one of my all-time favorite cheat foods, a goddamn McGriddle. Those yes. are fucking delicious. They you want to talk about like the good feeling in your mouth for a buck, like how much, <laughs> like how much bang you get for your buck if you're hungry with the cheese and the egg. Holy shit! Here's my point: how much I agree with you. And now we're not saying the ingredients or anything. If you took that McGriddle, yeah, I say this with a lot of foods. I'm just Look using this thing. as wow. an example because you just said this that actual item. But I say this with a lot of things. Put it on a, take that McGriddle, put it on a chopping block. Right. At a French restaurant and whatever. And then all you do is put that McGriddle on the chopping block and then maybe put some syrup all over it. Deliver it to a table. There, no one's going to go, it's good, but it's not like, it's very good. <laughs> no, they're going to go, shut the fuck <laughs> up. Yeah, exactly. So I, you know what I say that? About Papa John's uh, cinnamon things they do. You know where they take the bread, they put uh -huh. the, it's not only they put yeah. the butter on it, but then the vanilla glaze all over it. They right. put it in the oven. If yeah. you were anywhere, they go, oh, at about six in the morning, at that they put the fresh cinnamon tarts out, you know? And then you took a Papa John's, put it on, no one would eat it and go, no, it's good, it's sugary, it's doing the job. Then they'd go, what? What if you had a McGriddle with ice cream on it? Wow. Ice cream in between. Like in between the layers, you put the McGriddle down with the sausage. It'd be absurd. It'd be fucking oh, sausage? amazing. Yeah. Oh, I didn't think sausage of the sausage. McGriddle. Sausage. sausage I just thought the bread and the syrup and stuff. Oh, the whole shit. Sausage. I mean, yeah. that would. 
Let's see. I don't know. What do you think? <laughs> Let's see. You could definitely do it. I, I, I've always loved Hawaiian pizza, the pineapple and ham together. Yeah, me too. People, some people, you know what? I'll argue social issues for because for, for, I think there's a good side of it. Mm-hmm. But some people, I'm okay to let go when people go, I can't believe someone would like pineapple and pizza. <laughs> okay. Right. I'm not. I can't believe you like the Pixies. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> Just, that's okay. You know what? I really so love. I'm, I'm a pineapple. Uh, pineapple and anchovy. I know it sounds disgusting. It tastes amazing. It's one of my all-time favorite pizzas. It might be my all-time. Oh. Mine's pineapple and sliced sausage. What are you watching, Jamie? I, this, this is a, a McGriddle being oh, this rolled is how they into make it? No, being rolled into those rolled ice cream things that's popular right now. Oh, it's almost what you just described, but not quite, and it looks actually kind of so they gross. froze wow. it and then turned it into those things yeah you've seen those the, and like, they chopped it up and yeah. flattened it out Ugh, it's, it's like barely to... food it's, so... it's barely food that's so weird what is oh, it? Wow. On top. so it's the the not the inside of the mcgriddle no yeah yeah, yeah. it's just the outside As it starts over here again and they turned it into this thing does wow. mcdonald's do it yeah no, well that no, makes no, sense it right if it's here. the inside of the mcgriddle because it's all i mean the outside rather because it's all just that doughy shit anyway Oh, so they poured the batter on it and then yeah. shot. Oh, it is everything. Yeah, yeah. It's the meat, too. Oh, that's crazy. How weird. It might man. be good, but I don't know. It might be good. Yeah. Look, it's, it's probably an interesting way to eat. Yeah. I mean, it's no different than what you're doing when you're masticating it. Right. That's what you're doing. You're making that out of it. It's just making that already. It's just maybe you don't want to see it. I found out this past weekend that ground beef was invented by the Mongols. Ground meat. I went to see the Genghis Khan exhibit at the Reagan Library. <sighs> Fuck living back then, dude. You think it'd be hard to start over as an open mic comic? <laughs> Imagine starting off in a Mongol camp. Wait, why was ground beef invented? They invented ground beef, apparently. Mongols invented the Mongol Empire is either indirectly responsible, directly responsible, or they invented like a shitload of things. And what year would pants. that be? What year would it be? I think that was like the 1200s that they that they existed that they first came to be but where they just before that they just ate steak no before, i mean look they all <laughs> whatever you call i it. think they probably just yeah they just probably like cooked meat and just ate the meat and then someone figured out well you could take tough cuts because they would eat you know whatever the fuck they could take a tough cut and grind it up you can cook it and eat it easier so they figured that out you don't eat meat right i eat a lot of meat oh you do yeah why do you think i wouldn't eat meat i don't know because hmm. you know it Maybe you think meat's pretty, bad for you? Are you one of those guys? Well, no, no, no. I, I, I would say free. I would just say I, I, I listen to always am open to listen to new things to sway my opinion. But I like the stance of I heard someone talking about at least free, free like, range. Free range. Yeah. Now yeah. I know the opposing view on that too. But uh, I just thought you know if you're if you, if you're thinking I get it that there is a food chain. This is what I heard this person speaking. I'm not I'm not mm-hmm. saying it, but I made it's made sense to me. No, there is a food chain, and we don't have to torture animals, of course. But there is this, but you know, untortured animals. That, then I would be like, I would if I was going to. I wish I could. If I was going to eat meat, I do eat meat. Yeah, but I wish I did it that way. I'd be proud of myself if I committed. When I hear someone that does that, that will, I'm like, oh, hmm. that, I, I have admiration for that. Would you ever consider killing an animal that you were going to eat? Would you ever consider like raising a cow and killing it? I couldn't. couldn't. But I don't. What about hunting? Do you think you could hunt? No. 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 Could you? Oh, you. You. I hunted. do. Yeah. Yeah, but I don't. I'm not. Uh, I'm not. I just couldn't hunt. I'm not proper. You just don't want it. 
Yeah. It's well, not something you're interested in. I'd be too so scared. Not, listen, there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. It's uh, it's like... I shot a guy in the face once at camp. Oops. Shot a man in Reno? I shot a man in Reno. <laughs> Remember, you know, when he's singing that song, he was in prison, which I like yeah. that he went back and performed there, that they, they can, they're not, they don't have to be lost. Yeah. They, they don't have, they, they, and then he, uh, and he goes, I shot a man in Reno just to watch him die, and they, they all go, woo! Well, let's not glorify the. Yeah, <laughs> that's what I know. What if Johnny excited. Cash said that? Right, hey, listen, I'm here. Guys, let's not. Guys, guys, don't have to. I'm I bummed out about it. Yeah, I'm bummed out. <laughs> I'm singing it. It's not good. Don't. Didn't someone just do a stand-up special inside a prison? Jeff Ross. Uh, Jeff Ross did, that's, but another comic did. A black comic. You know the. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Ali Sadiq. John Bram Wagner. Uh, is that it? Uh, yeah. yeah how do you say? Is that how you say his name? I think so. Pull. See. Wow. I like the background you have behind you more than the background behind me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you look at the screens. <sighs> I got it. What's it called? I think I do have to bigger go to the bathroom. It's bigger than these bars. Oh, nice. You got to use the bathroom. Yeah. Go ahead. Don't worry about it. Right. Yeah. You're not going to say we'll anything. Probably no, we could wrap this up, too. I mean, we've already yeah, been I was going to ask you about this while you go to the bathroom, if that's okay. Um, this okay. This Mongol eating meat thing. I just pulled up this article from the New York Times that said that uh, horse meat being tenderized under their saddle is a myth. I don't know if that's yeah, the same oh, yeah, way it was Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't... Tenderized under their saddle? Yeah, it said that it was... Steak tartare was horse meat dish that originated from the horse-eating Mongols of Central Asia who swept across the eastern uh, Central Europe 800 years ago. The most common tales that the tartar... The tater... How do you... How would you say that? Tater... Tater? T-A-T-A-R? Horsemen would put a slice of horse meat beneath their saddle in the morning and retrieve it tenderized by the pounding to eat raw for dinner. They supposedly left their raw meat-eating habit behind, and according to one version of the story, it was carried by the German sailors to Hamburg, where the taste for ground beef began begat both hamburgers and steak tartare. Huh. Wow. That's interesting. Um, is that where I, Neil Hamburger, is that where uh, a hamburger came from? That, that guy that goes, hamburger? Know. I'm just kidding. Go ahead. Use the bathroom. It's cool. Is that okay? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go All ahead. Right, cool. I, w I wanted to ask about that because that's interesting. I wonder if the Reagan Library has old information in their exhibit. I mean, it says it's been passed around as a myth right. from since like nineteen twenty. Yeah, but you can't so. just say that if you're running a museum. You should probably know that that's not true, unless they they figured out chopped meat and this is not the same thing. Right. Maybe it's not, maybe originally it was. But I would feel like if someone wanted to do that, that would be a way to tenderize meat. Yeah, well, I mean, I with the the same restaurant I was describing that I worked at before was mm -hmm. a Mongolian barbecue grill where you, we'd cook with swords, literal metal swords on a flat top, when it was supposed to be representing the shields that the Mongols would cook on back in the mm -hmm. eight, eight hundred whatever, and they were just shredding meat. That's the only way you could do it. So right. they were shredding beef. I don't know if it's ground, but like definitely shredded. So it's yeah. the same thing. When we um, cooked in the field with Ranella for the first time, when we shot a deer, um, he pounded it flat. Like he took like a chunk of the back strap and then put it in between. I forget what he put it in between, but pounded it flat before he cooked it, like to tenderize it and break it down a little bit. I just watched a video of a guy pounding an aluminum foil roll and making a knife out of it. It's fucking right. badass. Like a like knife, you, like a shiv like, or a shank? Like watching it. Like, you know, watch, I know you like to watch knife making things. Yeah. It's just like it. It's a 10 minute video of him literally taking the whole roll. Pull it up. I want to see that. Yeah. That's crazy. Some dude made a knife out of an uh, aluminum foil roll. That's when you really want to fuck somebody up. <laughs> but you're trapped in a restaurant. Hey, I have a question. Go ahead. 
Well, he probably should go for the close. Look at this. Look at this guy. He's going to hammer down this aluminum foil until he can turn into he a He did knife. it all like in a kitchen, too. He just uses the, a regular old of a stove, gas stove. To heat so it up. did he just hammer it down and then fold it? Is that what he did? No, he leaves it here. I'll just kind of skip ahead so you can it, see. It, it okay. is a good idea oh, he for, for, for bad. Yeah. Unless you were trying to use that to build your kids a fort, then you're a nice person. You bake a hammer. Whoa, he turned it into metal yeah, that he, he could saw. Wow. This is crazy. Yeah. Holy am I shit. He's been a lot of time sharpening it down. This is crazy. Whoa, this is nuts. So he turned it into a real piece of aluminum. Oh, yeah, yeah. And then Wow. The that is fucking bananas. And he sharpened it? Yep. That it is down. crazy. Put wow. It wood, gave it a handle. Oh, my God. And then put it in, at the end, puts it in a package and shows, like, chopping stuff. But, I mean, it must be so weak, though. I, don't, I mean. It's aluminum. Oh, he sells it? It probably might rust Why would you want to buy it? Why would I you want to buy it just because I'm an asshole. <laughs> I want to buy an aluminum foil knife. I need it. I need, I need it. it. You know, this Give me. You, you, every time pasta. people come over the house, you go, this knife is made out of aluminum foil. I have a video we want you to watch. He made a knife out of pasta? He's just showing that he oh, can he makes do it. Knives out of knife pasta. Out of anything. Oh, that's great. What about the story that Chris Ryan told about the guy who made a knife out of shit <laughs> and it was frozen or a frozen shit knife to kill one of his dogs? Because he was like a, a sled dogger and he was starving to death. Wow. Yeah. Was that true? Or did he carve his way out of an ice hole with a shit shovel? It's one of those. <laughs> <laughs> a frozen shit shovel. You're the only guy that comes with notes. Do, you know what? I only have, I wrote, can I plug some dates? Sure. Yeah, okay, for sure. Cool. Definitely. Okay, so I'll get through this real quick. Tell people quick. about your special first. Where, where, where is that? I have What's an hour called? special on Netflix. It's right called now. Act Happy. I wanted to call it Suck My Pigeon Dick, but I was the only one that was raising my hand for I wish that. I was there. I would have backed you up. <laughs> it was, it was, it's who a joke in the act. Right. And who the hell would have not forgotten? I know, right? Right? Suck My Pigeon Dick? That's hilarious. Can I tell you something? The last time I wanted, two times, I, and I don't tell any stories like, you know, oh, this person. No, no. This is two things I think. And I think I would have learned my lesson because my book I wanted to call, uh, the, I wanted to call my book. All I ever wanted to do was meet a nice girl with a terminal disease. <laughs> um, and, then, and then other stupid things I said to keep the closet door shut. I would add that as a subtitle, even though I hated the word closet. That's how I tried to sell it to him, because I hate closet and anything to do with any right. words, you know, of that, of closet, this, and out. And so uh, I go, okay, if I can call it, all I ever wanted to do was meet a nice girl. It was, the first title was with cancer. All I ever wanted to do was meet a nice girl with cancer. And other, th other, thing, other stupid things I said to keep the closet door shut. Because there's a story in there about me, literally, right. me and my friend, you know. So yeah. it does make sense, and it's not mean. It's not insulting cancer. I no. think that still should have been the title of the book. The problem is people are going to see it and go, oh, he's just a, a mean guy that wants girls to die. That's the boiled-down dumb version oh, of you know before what? they look into it. Isn't that funny? You didn't even consider that? I didn't that? even consider that. <laughs> <laughs> so they're right. <laughs> well, you're wishing... How about terminal you, disease? No, you're right. It yeah. brings up a, guy, a dumb guy right. writing a book. Hey, he I is want to you. suck my dick in the diet cancer. <laughs> oh! <laughs> you know what? Yeah. That's how, you know what? I'm stubborn in certain ways, but in other ways, all you got to do good. is cleanly explain yeah. something to me. Oh, yeah. They're right. I don't want to call it that. I never thought about that. To go to, for the wrong audience to uh, see it on a shelf somewhere, even yeah. you know.
I think we should all be able to change our opinions about things. I try hard to work on that. I do too. I think it's a big thing about being a person. Be able to look at things and, and not think that you are those ideas. You're a person. You're not those ideas. Like you just you don't just because you thought of it and you you subscribed to it and you believed in it at one point in time, it don't let it define you. It's just an idea. And if it's wrong, be honest about it and say, this is why I thought it was real. And people will respect that because they'll know that when you're talking, you're saying what's really on your mind, whether you're right or whether you're wrong. You might be incorrect, but if you are incorrect, you're going to let them know you're incorrect. And you know what? The, the way to look at that, I think, and I, I remind myself every time I talk about this stuff, to say how many of the things are you doing because they're right or you just think time equals validity? Right. Because there probably are some things that should you should have been doing for the last 40 years. But So let's not go issue by issue. Here's a wider scope for someone to put themselves under fair judgment. Right. If you're 45 years old and you haven't had, I'm just throwing out numbers, I'm okay with right. up or down the number, but you'll get the gist of what I'm saying. If you're 45 years old and uh, what, what are we talking about? I'm sorry, I got high, but if you remind me, I'll, I'll go right back. I'm not exactly sure where you were going with it. Oh, shit. Marijuana. It's that goddamn Marijuana, spray. I don't even fuck her. <laughs> Nothing. Uh, <laughs> Jamie, what, is it, what was he talking about? Oh, no. No. We'll figure it out. Don't worry. I want to do so. And then I have to plug these dates, and I want to remember that. Well, we were talking about people being nicer to each other. Uh, we we're talking about... Being able to change your, your comedy special, being able to change your opinions on things. And I think it's very important to be able to just change your opinion and that you are not your ideas. You, you, just because opinion. you believe something doesn't mean you should be locked into it. Because Oh, oh, I, okay. I remember. Okay. A good way to judge yourself is to go, if you're 45 years old and you haven't maybe in the last so many years changed your view on something, how right. about we start with that? Right. We won't even take issue at hand. It, well, what does that say? There's no way that you shouldn't be changing. You some, definitely should. Right. So if it's not, it doesn't have to be everything. Right. But we'd say in a 10-year period, were there two things that you were adamant about? Maybe in two areas. Not everything. Sometimes you're right because yeah. you're right. But if you can honestly, not just outwardly to be right in an argument, go, yeah, I changed my opinion. But go inward. No one's around. Be honest with yourself. And then you might be able to go in the dark of your own asking yourself, go, fuck, I guess I really haven't. Yeah. And then be aware of it, and then there starts your change. We'll be back right after this. Wow. Joe Rogan's our guest. He'll be at the... <laughs> let, me, yeah, let me just get For these. sure. Get these. And, it, and folks, let me, let me just say to you, if you're in a place where Todd Glass is performing, he's one of the best stand-up comics working in America today. You're a very funny guy. And I do it so right. I get the two-piece. Even when you're being sat, there's a two-piece. It's all right the minute you get in there. Okay, Jazz Texas. I'm going to go to a jazz club. It's not even not? a comedy club. They reached out. So in, uh, uh, in a April 22nd and 23rd. Where's that? Uh, it's, called, it's in San Antonio. Ah. Jazz, jazz Texas. Texas. Bam. I liked it. Plus, if shit gets crazy, you're real close to Mexico. Right. Just make a mad run across the border. Yeah! Yeah! <laughs> <laughs> You're right there. How far is it from San Antonio to Texas? I don't know. I think they could shoot each other. Uh, Did I say to Texas? Yeah. I meant Mexico. Yeah. But Did I, I like say Texas it. when I was telling him too? No, the first time you said it right. Yeah. Okay. If you're that close to Mexico, like what's the closest city we have? Is it Laredo? El Paso. Is El Paso? El Paso is the closest? I've been to El Paso. Mm -hmm. I heard El Paso, like, bullets have hit buildings. Like, the buildings in El Paso, bullets from, like, the drug war <laughs> have hit. Like, what is that, Juarez? Is Juarez right next to El Paso? Juarez is a particularly dangerous place.
I don't need yeah. to go there. But hey, don't go there. Go see Todd Glass. <laughs> Todd Breyer performing next. <laughs> okay. That's why I'm trying to do it fast. I, you know, I always feel guilty about no, plugs. No, don't. But, well, where's your website? Um, uh, Todd, Glass, com- Todd Glass Comedy at Gmail. You don't I even think, know what it is? What's well, I think it? it's that. Probably Todd Glass Comedy. Todd, no, Todd Glass at Gmail. Todd Glass? No, not your email address. Your website address. Oh, uh, Todd, I'm, I'm not thinking very clearly. Okay, right no now. worries. Toddglass.com or something. Toddglass.com. <laughs> Maybe that's what it should say. Okay, that's what it is. Okay. Okay, then I'll be at the Blue Room. And I'm, I, Blue Room, and I hate reading. The Blue Room in uh, Springfield, uh, Missouri. And that's uh, the 7th through the 9th of June. Two more. Uh, that's right. Blue Room. I like the pictures. Uh, Royal <laughs> Comedy Theater in uh, Hopkins. Missouri. It's uh, so. uh, the, it's the Royal Comedy Theater. This is this place is one. Of, uh, I love it. And then it's uh, in Hopkins. Uh, am I saying that right? Missouri. Minnesota. 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 He's going to punch me in the face. June twenty first through the twenty fourth. And then you're at the Stir Crazy Comedy Club in Arizona, there Glendale, Arizona. Come on down. Oh Can I Sunset tell you Boulevard in Glendale. Arizona. Thank you, Stir Crazy in Arizona, and I need uh, that just now. What I just did, yes. No lie, my heartbeat, exhausting, is, exhausting. Yeah, because you're funny. You don't want to do that. Oh, no, the, and also reading yourself. it was reading so it. difficult, so hard. How do people do it? Oh, you were reading pretty good off I the don't TV. Know how I did it. I was in a trance. <laughs> All right, brother. Well, that was very fun. That was great. That, that was, was so fun. much fun. It was very fun. Um, Toddglass.com. Go see him. And Netflix special out right now. Suck my pigeon dick, <laughs> right? Yes. Yes. Act happy. Act happy. Don't look for suck my pigeon dick. Maybe in the maybe the Netflix Change will it. give in the cave. Bye. Wow. <laughs>